0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. To the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. Our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. But before we get to that, I need to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. For you, the listeners of the Rob Burgess Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. The book I would personally recommend, which pertains to this episode, is Them Adventures with Extremists, written and read by John Ronson. Whatever book you pick, you can exchange it at any time. You can cancel at any time, and the books are yours to keep. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show for your free audiobook. Please consider supporting those who support the show like Audible. You'll be helping me out, and it won't cost you a thing. Another totally free way you can help the show is to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available. Whether it's iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, TuneIn, or RSS, you can find links to everything on the official website, www.therobburgessshow.com. You can also find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thispurchase.com. Back to today's show. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episode 2 and later on episode 10 of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a B.A. in history from Indiana University in 2006. He is an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over nine years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. A quick programming note, the majority of this conversation is about the Republican National Convention, which just wrapped up this week in Cleveland, Ohio. The first two parts you'll hear are from before the convention started, and the third part is from after it finished up here today, on Friday. If you stick around to the end, uh, we do also talk about Pokemon Go and the shooting of Charles Kinsey in North Miami, Florida. And now on to the show. Hello. Cha. Hey Bob, how are you? Thank God. <laughs> I called like ten times. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh really? Uh it's kinda hard to figure out how to dial yeah, international number, I guess.
0: Right right. Well, uh hey, how are you, man?
1: Oh, doing okay, working hard. I've got a class within about an hour. So okay. I may have to get ready for that in a little bit, but yeah, well, just uh just we could uh yeah. check in and talk about the uh the convention so far, the Republican national convention
0: I feel like and, this is when we uh, would uh, uh, pre I, I feel like this is when we were in college and we would pre game before a big party. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh
1: yeah. I think the party is just getting started. Yeah. This is
0: going to be <laughs> insane, right? This is this is I mean anyway. But well, whatever like you want to Somebody had asked. Yeah.
1: Yeah, from what I understand somebody had asked if um <clears throat> if the, if it was going to be open carry and they said we maybe after all these police have been shot down south, maybe we should not have open carry at the Republican National Convention and I think was it John Kasich said mm-hmm. no, we cannot, you know, countervene the law, uh, people are allowed to carry guns. So right. I think the you know, the potential for <clears throat> the potential for political violence or any other kind of violence at the Republican National Convention is Huge, right? It could mm. be huge. <laughs> huge, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they know that the Republican National Convention inside needs to be a gun-free zone, and they know damn well why that is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, so we, I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. well, I just, I mean, I just, I just checked the news a bit ago, and I realized that the convention had started because there was a thing mm-hmm. about. I, I watched a short clip of. Stephen Colbert crashing the convention. Welcome back everybody.
2: Thanks so much. Good you know, folks. These conventions these conventions can be fun to watch, but for the people involved, it is it is a blood sport that we just watch. It is bare knuckle brawling. It's 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 like The Hunger Games. No, it's worse than that. It's The Hungry for Power Games! (laughs) I've arrived at the 2016 Republican National Hungry for Power Games. Quicken Loans Arena, named for a moneylender so you know it's ruthless. (laughs) Caligula, let's go! (laughs) This year's Power Games are a big tent. Of course, All races and creeds are welcome this year, unless you want to go up to the executive suites, in which case, you'll want to use the white elevators. (laughs) Welcome to the arena, citizens. So grand, they can almost hold Donald Trump's entire head. (laughs) What's that? Yes, oh, oh, let's go. The red carpet, of course, is here to hide the rivers of blood that will eventually pour down from the cornucopia when Donald Trump, flanked by his two eunuchs, takes the stage. By eunuchs, of course, I mean Paul Ryan and Rens Priebus, who clearly checked their balls at the door this election. <laughs> Naughty. The New Jersey delegation has saved one front row seat for Chris Christie to have the best possible view of the end of his career. Do you want, do you want? He wouldn't mind. There you go. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent. Oh, that's good, who wrote that? That's fresh. Hello, excuse me. I'm All about right. to go live. You're about to go live? Yes, we're All in the right. of our show. Oh, I apologize. But do you wanna... You're in Telemundo? Yes. Did they let Telemundo in here?
3: Yes, of
2: course. You, you didn't have to burrow in around no. Donald Trump's no. wall. No, no, no. There was no, no. wall outside keeping no. Telemundo no. out. No. 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 no, no. Answer a question for me, por favor. ¿Qué es más macho, Donald Trump e Hillary Clinton?
4: Um, no comment.
2: Is that Spanish? Because I don't understand not Sing answering That sounds delicious, but I'm all full. Thank you very much. <laughs> North Carolina has staged themselves strategically next to the bathrooms so they can check everyone's genitalia before they, you know, <laughs> cast their ballot, shall we say. <laughs> I have a weasel in my pants. Chuck Todd! Have Matt Lauer washed and brought to my tent. My weasel wants to make love to your goatee. Meanwhile, liberal Washington State has positioned itself near the bathrooms, male, female, and I'm going to say mystery date. Everything <laughs> goes. There was only one thing left to do, and only one place I was not supposed to do it. Welcome, citizens, to the 2016 Hundred for Power Games. <laughs> Beautiful. This week, in this arena, The Republicans shall prove they are truly passionate about one candidate, Hillary Clinton. They will do anything to stop her, up to and including nominating Donald J. Jonah Jameson Trump. But Tribute Trump will not enter the arena alone. No. He has formed an alliance with Indiana Governor Mike Pence. Sorry, I blacked out there for a moment. So it is my honor... ...to hereby launch and begin the 2016 Republican National Hungry for Power Games! Look, look, I know I'm not supposed to be up here, but let's be honest, neither is Donald Trump. Come- we'll be right back with more of our live convention special. Stick
1: around! It's going to be wild, if that's how they're kicking it off. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean... You know, the—I mean, there's just so much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. Um, Indiana has been in the political spotlight like uh, you wouldn't believe. Um, so, Mike—Mike Mike Pence, our governor—is now Donald Trump's running mate. Um,
1: <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, it's a it's a national shame for our state. I think. I mean, um, and I mean, I think the one upside is that you know he can't run for governor again, so they're going to have to replace him, and he may mm-hmm. you know probably the next uh, next person could be a Democrat. And, well, I, well, I and even if it's a Republican. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I can.
1: We've gotten yeah, rid of this guy.
0: Well, that's that's true, but um, let me tell you that I have interviewed his rival in the uh, governor's race. John Gregg, and okay. so yeah. basically, his biggest problem is that Pence was like just screwing up at every corner. I don't even, I can't even tell you how many times he like had so many unforced errors in state politics that yeah. that brought terrible uh, recognition to our state, Un- unnecessarily. By the way, I mean, yeah, I rem-
1: the, the the two things that come to mind for me are, I mean, these are about a year or two ago, I think, but there was the one where you- closed down a planned parenthood or something in like south southeastern indiana i believe
0: oh well well i can t- indiana, i can tell I'm you sure about that that, that was um that was in uh it was called by uh i don't remember what organization but it was a government organization uh the sub saharan africa levels of hiv infection and he was morally opposed yeah. to any kind of syringe uh clean needle program um uh, trade in you know what i mean um so okay, it was a clean. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, you could you could yeah. drop off oh, a dirty needle and get it. I thought it was a
1: Planned Parenthood.
0: Oh, 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 oh. Well, oh, that, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. getting to that. Um, but um, yeah. Planned Parenthood used to provide testing in these places for AIDS, mm-hmm. and then their funding was cut, and they were forced to close. And and they and they could it was have kind of a stopped the punch. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, kind of a one-two punch of closing down the free ne- the needle exchange program and then also un- defunding Planned Parenthood, and so then we had an epidemic of right. very very bad things in that part of Indiana. Well, Mike
0: Pence, by well, his own words, I mean. is a Christian first. That's before anything, and he is mm-hmm. um, a Republican after that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a, he's not a not a not a great guy. Well, um, and the other thing I obviously remember about his tenure so far has been the the thing where like a year or two ago there was a you know the right of a the rights of. Uh, uh, small businesses to discriminate against homosexuals or you know LGBT individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we're going to kind of enshrine this in law so that you know it is you know people's quote unquote religious liberty will be respected. Yeah, that they can basically. And then they had him on, like with George Stephanopoulos. That
0: was that was a, George a, a national embarrassment for Indiana.
5: Governor Mike Pence joins us now. Good morning, Governor. Thank you for joining us. Was it a mistake George. to sign for the this opportunity.
6: So was it a mistake to sign this law? absolutely not uh... the religious freedom restoration act was signed into federal law by president bill clinton more than twenty years ago and it lays out a framework for ensuring that uh, a very high level of scrutiny is given anytime government action impinges on the religious liberty of any american after that some nineteen states followed that adopted that statute and after last year's hobby lobby case Uh, Indiana properly uh, brought uh, uh, the same version that uh, then-state Senator Barack Obama voted for in Illinois before our legislature. Uh, And I was proud to sign it into law last week. But look, I I think uh, I understand that there's been a tremendous uh, amount of misinformation and misunderstanding uh, around this bill. And I'm just determined, uh, and I appreciate the time on your program, I'm just determined to clarify this. This uh, This is about... Uh, protecting the religious liberty uh, of uh, people of faith and families of faith across this country. That's what it's been for more than 20 years, and that's what it is now is the law in Indiana, George. But I think one of the problems that people
5: have pointed out is that in Indiana, your civil rights laws don't include sexual orientation as a protected class, and even some of the supporters of the bill who who appeared with you when you signed the bill, Eric Miller of Advance America, wrote that it will protect those who oppose gay marriage. He put up this example. He said, Christian bakers, florists, and photographers should not be punished for refusing to participate in a homosexual marriage. So this is a yes or no question. Is Advance America right when they say a florist in Indiana can now refuse to serve a gay couple without fear of punishment?
6: Well, let me explain to you. The purpose of this bill is to empower and has been for more than 20 years, George. This is not speculative. The purpose of this legislation, which is the law in all 50 states in our federal courts, and it's the law by either statute or court decisions in some 30 other states, is very simply to empower individuals when they believe that actions of government impinge on their constitutional first amendment freedom of religion and frankly george there's a lot of people across this country uh, who uh... you're looking at the uh, uh, and the hobby lobby decision looking at other cases who feel uh, that their religious liberty is being infringed upon uh, and uh... and the religious freedom restoration act at the federal level and all the states now including indiana who have it are simply about addressing that this is not about discrimination this is about Empowering people. Let me, to to you, government let me try to pin you down, George, there, though,
5: on it because your supporters say it would. And so, so yes or no, if a florist in Indiana refuses to serve a gay couple uh, at their wedding, is that legal now in Indiana,
6: George? This is this is where this debate has gone with with misinformation and. Uh, frankly, it's just a question, sir. Yes so, or no? Well, well, this, there's been shameless rhetoric about my state and about this law and about its intention all over the Internet. People are trying to make it about one particular issue and now you're doing that as well. The the issue here, the, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act has been on the books for more than 20 years. It does not apply, George, to disputes between individuals unless government action is involved. And in point of fact, in more than two decades, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act has never been used to undermine anti-discrimination laws in this country. Sir, I'm, look, I'm just bringing the, up the a question. I think the real question That here. was
5: one of your supporters who was talking about the bill right there. It said it would protect a Christian florist who, uh, yeah. against any kind of punishment. Is that true or not?
6: George, look, the, the issue here is, you know, is tolerance a two-way street or not? I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about tolerance in this country today having to do with people on the left. Uh, and, uh, but here, Indiana steps forward to protect uh, the constitutional rights and privileges of freedom of religion uh, for people of faith and families of faith uh, in our state. And this avalanche of intolerance that's been poured on our state is just outrageous. You've been to Indiana a bunch of times, you know it. There are no kinder, more generous, more welcoming, more hospitable people in America than in the 92 counties of Indiana. And yet because we simply stepped forward for the purpose of recognizing the religious liberty rights of all the people of Indiana, of every faith we, we suffered under this avalanche for the last several days of condemnation. And it's completely Governor, baseless. It's Governor, not based on any fact whatsoever. I completely agree with you about the good people. And I think uh, people are getting tired of it, George. Uh, uh, I really do. Perhaps, tolerance is a two-way street. So
5: when you say tolerance is a two-way street, does that mean that Christians who want to refuse service, or people of any other faith who want to refuse service to gays and lesbians, that it's now legal in the state of Indiana? That's a simple yes or no question.
6: George, the, the question here is, if, the, if there is a government action or a law that an individual believes impinges on their religious liberty, they have the opportunity to go to court, just as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that Bill Clinton signed allowed them, go to court, and the court would evaluate the circumstance under the standards articulated in this act. That's all it is. And when you see these headlines about about Indiana, the license to discriminate in Indiana, and, and it, it just I'm telling you, George, uh, it is a red herring. And I think it, it's deeply troubling to millions of Americans uh, and, and frankly, people all across the state of Indiana who feel troubled about government overreach. This isn't about disputes between individuals. It's about government overreach. And I'm proud that Indiana stepped forward. Uh, And I'm I'm working hard to clarify this. We're reaching out to business leaders. I'm pleased to be on your show speaking across the country on this. We are determined to make it clear that what Indiana has done here is strengthen the foundation and the constitutional right, sir, trying- First Amendment rights of religious liberty of our people.
5: I'm trying to get that same clarity. And it sounds to me
6: like what you're saying
5: is that someone could use their religious faith as a defense against any kind of a suit brought there. But let's try to get to that clarification you're talking about. Yeah. One fix that people have talked about is simply adding sexual orientation as a protected class under the state's civil rights laws. Will you push for that?
6: Uh, i will not push for that that's uh that's not on my agenda and that's not been uh, uh that's not been an objective uh of uh, the people of the state of indiana uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with this law i mean uh, george bill clinton signed the religious freedom restoration act in 1993. i, I remember then that state sen- then state senator i bet you do then state senator barack obama Voted for it when he was in the state senate of Illinois, the very same language. This right, is this Illinois does have have protections in their state law. This isn't about. Well, th- this isn't about individual rights or preferential rights for anyone. It says that everyone has the right to the highest level of review if they feel that the government has impinged upon their religious. That gets liberty. to
5: the second possible fix. But so I, I go back again.
6: That, you know, again, I, I really believe, George, that. Uh, it is. It has been breathtaking to many in Indiana, uh, me included, at the fact that Indiana joined uh, some 30 other states and all 50 states in our federal courts uh, by by create by enacting the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and. And yet, for, from people who preach tolerance every day, we've been under an avalanche of But, sir, it's not just outsiders, And, I, sir, and as as I'm, just, I'm not going to take it lying list, down. The
5: CEO of Angie's List in your state has put his expansion plans on hold because of this law. But let me then get to another possible fix. This comes from the Lambda Legal Defense Fund, and maybe this is the kind uh, well, of clarification. Well, I think, yes, I
6: really believe, I really believe that is a result. I mean, I've been in touch with corporate leaders, uh, both outside the state. I've been in touch with uh, Mark Emmert at the NCAA we've been doing our level best George to correct the gross mischaracterization of this law that has uh, that has been spread all over the country by many in the media Well I let's mean, get back frankly, to the some of the media coverage of this has been shameless and reckless Uh, And the online attacks against the people of our state, I'm just not going to stand for it. That
5: may be. We've tried to be responsible as well. But let me try to get to this clarification. Uh, One suggested fix to the law would say that this chapter of the law does not establish or eliminate a defense to a claim under any federal, state or local law protecting civil rights or preventing discrimination. Is that the kind of clarification you're talking about?
6: George, look, uh, uh, we're not going to change the law, Okay. But if the General Assembly in Indiana sends me a bill that adds a section that reiterates and amplifies and clarifies what the law really is and what it has been for the last 20 years, then I'm open to that. But uh, we're we're not going to change this law. It has been tested in courts for more than two decades on the federal level. Let me just ask in, in some 30 states, and it represents a foundational protection for individuals. And I got to tell you, George, there's a lot of people in this country who are concerned about government overreach into their religious liberty, uh, and I'm one of them, and I stand with them, and we've defended them in Indiana and made sure our courts in Indiana use the highest standards, the same standards that are in the federal courts in the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. This is about protecting liberty of every Hoosier of every faith.
5: Final question, final yes or no question, Governor. Do you think it should be legal in the state of Indiana to discriminate against gays or lesbians?
6: George... It's a yes or no question! Come on. Hoosiers don't believe in discrimination. I mean, the way I was raised in a small town in southern Indiana is you're, you're kind and caring and respectful to everyone. Anybody that's been in Indiana for five minutes knows that Hoosier hospitality is not a slogan, it's a reality. People tell me when I travel around the country, gosh, I went, I went to your state and people are so nice. I mean, this is not about discrimination. This is about protecting the religious liberty of every Hoosier, of every faith. And, and we're going to continue to work our hearts out uh, to clarify that to the people of Indiana and the people of this great country. Yes
5: or no, should it be legal to discriminate against gays and lesbians?
6: George, you're, you're following the mantra of the last week online, and you're trying to make this issue about something else. What I am for is protecting, with the highest standards in our courts, the religious liberty of Hoosiers. I signed the bill. We're going to continue to explain it to people that don't understand it. And and if possible, we will find a way to amplify what this bill really is in the legislative process. But I stand by this law. It was an important step forward when Bill Clinton signed it in 1993. It's an important step forward to keeping the promises of our Bill of Rights and the First Amendment and our Indiana Constitution. Uh, And I'm proud that Indiana's adopted the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Governor Pence, thank you very much for your time this morning.
1: Stephanopoulos gave him... Multiple opportunities to give an answer directly, and he, you know, absolutely gracelessly dodged the question every single time. And so, yeah, again, that was a pretty big embarrassment, I think, for Hoosiers.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> so this
1: he, is yeah, you know, this is obviously the guy that Trump thinks is going to help him now. So, tr-
0: but Trump or his family, because he was trying to get out of this late into the night. Okay, so let me give you the timeline. This has been the roller coaster ride that Indiana's been on this last few days. Alright, so Mike Pence flies to New York on on Thursday because he has a deadline to meet because he is running for re-election for governor. And Indiana law states that you cannot run for more than one office at the same time. So you have mm-hmm. to get off of the ballot for governor by noon on Friday. Okay. So the okay. terror attack in Nice, France happens. Okay. So Trump uses that mm-hmm. as an excuse to postpone his planned unveiling Friday morning at Trump Tower in New York. Okay. So mm-hmm. he delays the that unveiling to, of his
1: selection. Right.
0: He delays that to Saturday. But as I said, Governor Pence has to get off the ballot before noon on Friday. Okay. So there is a mad dash an hour before eleven A. M. is when he tweeted out That Governor Pence was his selection because Governor Pence's people were probably like freaking out and calling Trump and being like, we have to get off this ballot in the next hour or we're dead. You know, we're not going to have anything, you know, because he was I mean, he was in a very tight race for governor. Here's the thing about Trump's VP candidates. Okay, they're all people with no political future. Okay, mm-hmm. Governor Pence like, like as we as we pointed out has made so many unforced errors and has um, put Indiana into the national spotlight in a negative way unnecessarily over and over. Um, so Chris Christie was the same way. He is done in New Jersey. Okay. Newt Gingrich is done in politics. Okay. These are all people with nothing (laughs) to lose. There's nothing ahead of them. So John Gregg, who his only argument, as I'm circling back to when I interviewed him, okay, he... Mm-hmm. The only thing that he has going for him is Mike Pence, okay? Mike Pence has fallen flat mm-hmm. on his face over and over again. He's he's fallen over his own shoelaces in, in places that uh, previous Mitch Daniels, and you know I've had my problems with him, of course. Um, but yeah. he, uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't trip over himself. You know what I mean? He, he was, I disagreed with what he did, but he did it effectively. Mike Pence has, has, has put his ideology and religion first or whatever he considers religion. Um, and he's, uh, all tied up with the Koch brothers.
1: Okay. Well, that's probably who Trump is courting with this thing then, because I think it's pretty clear that the Koch brothers have not been too warm on Trump so far. They've
0: been be, positively cold yeah,
1: on Trump. A, yeah. Yeah. This is this is probably somebody who he thinks is gonna shore him up with that part of the party, the mm-hmm. the regular party. Right. Um, the traditional Republican Party, mm-hmm. such as it is. Yeah. Um, well, now, like the John Gregg. Tell me a little bit about him, because actually, uh, full disclosure, I think um, in the I think it, I don't know when was the election. When did When did Mike Pence come in? Was that 2012?
0: Yeah, he was a congressman before, and he ran against John Gregg in 2012 and lost by a very. Slim margin, or I mean, he won by his very slim margin. Oh. John Gregg lost by a very slim margin. He had yeah. been Speaker of the House, I think. Well. Hmm. Well, well.
1: From what I remember at that time was that one of my aunts, uh, uh, she's out in Vincennes, Indiana. There, uh, shout out to Anne Brenda. Uh, <laughs> I think she said that she might have gone to high school in Vincennes or somewhere with John Gregg, and so she, I think, she sort of knew him personally. Hmm. And he, I mean, he's a Democrat, and I I can understand, you know, in a state like Indiana, a Democrat could still look a lot like a Republican sometimes, so I actually am not too familiar with this guy. And from what I remember, in that election, there were, I think I ended up voting for John Gregg just because he was the Democrat, and I voted a straight Democratic ticket, which I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't just vote a straight ticket because I'm a thinking voter, and, you know, I consider every option. I don't believe them, (laughs) you know. I—I I mean, when I vote, I go through everybody on the list. I try to find out what their positions are, but most of the time, I just wind up ending pr- voting pretty much a straight ticket anyway. But from what I remember, that year was Mike Pence was the Republican, John Gregg was the Democrat, and there was another guy who was like a Libertarian or an Independent who had been on Survivor. And I'm trying to remember that guy's name right now. Rupert uh, uh, bon- Bonham. Yes. Yes, exactly. Rupert. And um, if you've ever watched the Survivor seasons he was on, he was a very charismatic guy, very funny guy. And I was a little bit kind of disappointed to hear that he was like a libertarian or something, because I think they're a little bit, you know, they've got a couple of good ideas, but overall they've got wildly, wildly dangerous ideas, too.
0: Yeah, if you carry um, their ideas to their logical conclusion. Like, I think I'm socially libertarian. Like, I just, I don't care what people do as long as they don't, like, impact me in any way. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I get that socially, but, like, economically and, like, governmentally, it just doesn't seem like a tenable philosophy.
1: Yeah, we we may have to have a... I think it'd be interesting to have, like, a three-way discussion with you, me, and, like, a libertarian who wants to talk about their ideas because... You know, I I don't want to just beat up on the libertarian ideals without them there to defend themselves, but I, you know, I mean, I can understand for some people why uh, libertarianism is intriguing or enticing in some ways, but I think it's an absolute disaster for a governing philosophy. And if we ever had, you know, if we ever had a libertarian actual leader, I think, you know, people would realize it's not realistic in a lot of ways. It's kind of like, you know, they say, you know, communism is a good idea, but it just never works out in practice, and I think libertarianism is exactly like that. It's just something that would never work in practice, so. But anyways, I was was intrigued and I was kind of torn in that election between John Gregg and Rupert uh, I forget his family name, but yeah, like, just because I just recently, like a year or two ago, I'd watched the, the survivor seasons he was on uh-huh. and he's like, I mean, he's a fun guy. He's a nice guy. He was a, you know, he was somebody you definitely liked while you watched the show. So I would recommend watching the seasons he was on. I, I forget which season he was on first, but then he was also on the all stars season or something. So
0: yeah, he was a lifer. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I need to I need to go back and watch Survivor again. Like I want to see what the latest season is like. I mean, I know it's kind of the same thing every year, but I, I tell you what, that show is uh there's something, you know, just a desert island, people, challenges, surviving. I mean there's something very appealing about that to most humans, I think, right? Yeah. Right. It's a simple formula. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 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 what's the dirt on uh, what's the dirt on John Gregg? Well, there's uh, apologies, Dan Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no, it's not really I'm sure, dirt. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. <laughs> it, it's not really dirt person, so on
1: much on a human level.
0: Yeah, I mean you know how Indiana is, right? I mean you you've lived here.
1: Yeah,
0: you know I don't got to explain it yep. to you. I mean you know you, we live in a bright red state. So, so for somebody for like our
1: listeners though, what? For our listeners though Well we I might mean, have to explain a little bit for the listeners.
0: Well I mean how would you describe it?
1: I would say like I mean, I think for a Democrat to get elected in certain states, you pretty much have to take on a lot of Republican positions. Mm-hmm. But just a slightly less extreme, you know, way than a than a hardcore Republican might. Yeah. But and if you do that, <laughs> you might you might win. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I think like I mean, I think I can understand why, you know. I think during President Obama's first term or whatever, in his first year or two before he lost the majority in the Senate and the House or whatever, I think a lot of people, you know, wanted him to strong arm a lot of Democrats and get them to, you know, do what he wanted them to do and stuff. And I think that's a I think he should have. But I think it's also true that there are a lot of Democrat leaders from different states out there, and they can't just go along with, you know, uh, left-wing policies Willy yeah. nilly, or they're really they really are putting themselves at great political risk. So,
0: well, I mean, I, you know, if you consider the the example of Al Gore, uh, he lost his home state of Tennessee, and a lot of people blame that on the fact that he was, uh, you know, pro gun control. Um, so, I mean, he wouldn't have yeah. needed those people who couldn't see straight in Florida if not for the fact that he lost the only state that people expect you to win when you're a major party candidate. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Marco Rubio. Oh my god. That guy got taken down so savagely. Um and that's the other thing too. I yeah. didn't see I didn't see Trump coming. I'm I'm freely freely admitting that. Um Okay. I mean, did you see I, this coming? I, I. Um. Well, I mean, ever since
1: 2012, I've had an idea in my head, not Trump in particular, but I had the idea that uh, the, the Tea Party, you know, these upstarts came in and they were like, um, you know, the, the old way is not working. We don't want a traditional Republican. We don't want a rhino or a cuck or whatever the hell they call them these days. And... You know, I think Mitt Romney was the last gasp of the the rhinos, as it were. You know, when he lost, I think that gave a free shot to say, and, and I've been waiting for this kind of thing. I said, you know what, next time the Republicans should just run the most out there, crazy, new to politics person they can possibly do. And when they lose, then they'll realize that it's not a matter of because Romney was a traditional conservative he didn't win, or because he wasn't a real conservative he didn't win, it's because America rejects their values. Mm-hmm. And so now I think we are in that position where they've nominated, you know, a birther, uh, you know, a fascist, uh, just, you know, choose your adjective, and this guy's that. And, uh, hopefully he loses, but I'm not entirely sure he will. I just don't know what's going to happen, but I, I think he'll lose, but it's... Mm-hmm. Um... And I, you know, I kept waiting during the primary, I kept waiting for him to make a misstep that was going to hurt him. But when he, let's see, when he went after John McCain and he said that he liked people who didn't get uh, captured by the enemy Mm -hmm. and then he didn't suffer any consequences. And a couple of days later, John McCain kind of apologized to him. I was like, okay, you know, it's over. There's nothing this guy can say that's going to sour the public on him, uh,
0: well, I mean, I mean, it's questioning the patriotism or heroism of a um, person that has been a prisoner of war um, is, I think, a third rail for most people. Um, I feel like if Hillary Clinton did that, that they would never forgive her.
1: Um, no, yeah. If any, if any Democrat, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a huge double standard. There's a lot of things that if democrats did it whether that's obama or hillary or anybody it would be unforgivable but as long as a republican does it a certain kind of republican it's you know it's kind of a maverick style or something mm-hmm. <clears throat> so anyways yeah so i was not entirely surprised by this guy and and i you know i i take a slightly negative view of certain aspects of the american um electorate, and I don't give them a lot of credit. I don't think that they're, you know, smarter than they appear to be at various times. And so when when they're pumping Trump up, I I was like, no, that's probably who they really want to support. And... You know, I was uh, – <clears throat> I think Stephen Colbert at one point said that the one thing he likes about Trump is that the Republican mainstream tried to say, <clears throat> this guy's not going to be the guy. And the voters said, no, we're still going to vote for him. He's still our guy. It doesn't matter what you say. We're voting for him. You're not electing our – you're not choosing our candidate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one – if you want to take a bright view of democracy, that's the one upside is that people do still to some degree have their voices able to be heard uh, at the ballot box on a national level. Yeah. But it's unfortunate if their voices are stupid, (laughs) (laughs) but I, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll go ahead maybe he'll lose and maybe Republicans will get this thing out of their system, which is my hope. But again, that's, uh, presupposing that they're capable of learning anything from this, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in a way, it's almost like running Trump. It's like they want Hillary to win. I mean, they're almost saying, Please Hillary be our president by running this guy because he's just he's such a clown, you know he's such an unserious candidate, and everybody knows it so but on the other hand, you know, I do think Hillary has weaknesses against this guy, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Um there's just I mean there's so much to say. I mean. <laughs> um you know. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Hillary would be problematic against anyone else. But yeah. I just don't I can't work up the enthusiasm that conservatives and ultimate Bernie Bros have for um you know the the hate they have for the Clintons. Um, I don't. I don't get it. Well,
7: what, I'm, what do you make of that? I, you what, know, what, why I do? do you,
0: okay, here's here's a question I've I've not got a satisfactory answer to. Why do mm-hmm. conservatives hate? the Clintons so much, because they are so willing to adopt so many of their policy suggestions that it seems like it would be advantageous to just embrace them. And on the other end of it, I don't know why the Clintons aren't just Republicans. That is what I want a Republican to be. Okay, it it does no service to anyone to have your enemy be crazy. You just want them to be untrustworthy. You know what I mean? There yeah. is a difference.
1: Well, I think I don't know. I think <clears throat> I think it's very unfortunate that Republicans have been so gung ho against Hillary Clinton, especially, but both of the Clintons to some degree, for such a long time. Because I think it's really blunted a lot of um, legitimate left wing criticism of Hillary this time. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. Anyway, I think I think one major thing that people didn't like in the '90s was that. You know, they thought that if we vote for a person, that person is going to be the president, which is Bill Clinton. But with Bill and Hillary, they kind of got a, you know, a a couple of equals, basically, who were working together in a partnership in their marriage. And so they felt like that Hillary maybe had more influence in the presidency than she should have had or something like that. And so obviously there's a huge sexist thing there going on. But um, I think that that's like I think that's part of. The, uh, I don't know, I think that's part of it. And the other thing is, you know, there's a lot, I mean, almost everything she says they recoil from. I mean, the whole thing, like, oh, it takes a village to raise a child, and then they're like, no, it doesn't. It just takes a mother and a father. That's all it takes. No less. You know, (laughs) so that kind of, you know, pretty much anything she says, they're going to go against it and everything. Yeah.
0: That was on Sunday night. On Monday morning, I called Jonathan back. Hey, Josh. Hey, Bob. How are you? Oh, good, good. I'm home now.
1: I got to go to bed before too long, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, the the Republican convention rolls on. So.
0: Yeah, today's the first day. So uh, our.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the Rob Burgess show coverage continues.
0: Yeah, yeah, this will be an exciting multi-part episode here. People get the whole whole spectrum. Um, yeah, I'm committed to watching the entire, I mean, I'm going to have to go back. I won't be able to see it in real time, but I'm planning on listening at least to all the speeches and everything, so.
1: Yeah, well, apparently, as I've, I've done some looking into it and everything, and it looks like there's certain speeches you won't be hearing at the convention, uh, for better or worse, because I found a somewhat a partial list of Republican major Republican figures who are boycotting the Republican National Convention this year, mm-hmm. and they include all three of the Bushes, yep. George H.W., George W. and Jeb, uh, John McCain not going, Mitt Romney not going, and uh, Governor John Kasich not going. And it's so, his,
0: his own state. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah and I think it's I think it's pretty unconventional for former presidents of the party not to attend the national convention I think that's that's pretty unprecedented so mm-hmm. sends a pretty strong signal about how how certain republicans are feeling I think
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, John McCain is an interesting one though, because he doesn't seem like he's fully disavowing Trump. He's just kind of not going to the convention because apparently he is in the fight of his life politically in, in Arizona there. Cause for once he's got a challenger that he thinks might be able to beat him because, uh, you know, Trump has stirred up so much, uh, anger, especially Arizona being a, you know, border state. And that's of course where Trump's wall would be one of the places. So, um, you yeah, know, the Hispanic Population and others are not feeling that, and you know, so it's frustrating for for me to watch that because, of course, like we were talking about with with John McCain, he was insulted by Trump for being a captured war veteran, uh, and uh, he's still not not totally disavowing him, not going to the convention, but not not totally disavowing him, so. Yeah, yeah, McCain had better figure out how to be a maverick again and quick,
1: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah, there's a new maverick in town, I guess right. I could say.
0: Well, apparently Sarah Palin's not even yeah. speaking at this convention, which uh, I thought if he was going to get anybody, it would be her, but for whatever reason, she's not going to be there, so.
1: Well, uh, her son was, you know, the last time she came out and supported Trump, like, her son was. Charged with beating his girlfriend or something at that point, or some, there was some sort of a domestic abuse case there. Yeah, and so I think this time Trump said, somebody asked Trump like, um, "Why? How about Sarah Palin? Is she coming?" He said, "Oh no, Alaska is too far away. She can't." Make it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess you know the the, the Trump force. One broke down last week, so maybe he can't fly her in. So, but <laughs> I guess probably with her family troubles, maybe she she's not the one they want
0: yeah yeah right now exactly yeah. well uh it's interesting though not only are certain prominent Republicans not showing up uh, apparently the a fair number of uh sponsorships corporately uh, have have pulled out um, i don 't know if it was just in t- anticipation of the possibility of violence and protesting or if it's just trump itself, but for whatever reason uh they had to come begging to i guess Sheld- Sheldon Adelson uh one of the billionaires that is uh, funding a lot of these uh candidates uh to for six million dollars to try to keep the lights on at this thing because you know they i can't remember all the companies off the top of my head but i think uh some some major ones that are usually reliable sponsors uh have have kind of <laughs> shunned this as well so hm
1: yeah and the uh i think the the threat of violence is, you know, I don't think anybody's underestimating that right now uh, because another part of the story that I got into and I researched a little bit at the Washington Post was that a guy named Stephen Loomis, who is the president of the Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, he's demanding executive action on the part of John Kasich to suspend the Second Amendment in the area surrounding the convention. Mm. And he said, what did he say? He said, um, <clears throat> John Casey could very easily do some kind of an executive order or something. I don't care if it's constitutional or not at this point. Uh, they can fight about it after the RNC, or they can list it after the RNC, but I want him to absolutely outlaw open carry in uh, Cuyahoga County until the RNC is over. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently the New black Panther party is planning to bring guns as are numerous Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. So, obviously the whole thing is a massive tinderbox, Right. Um, and the secret service says that guns will not be allowed inside the quick and loans arena, but, or in a certain area surrounding it. But outside of that, it's, you know, it's open season. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, there was a, uh, a tongue in cheek, uh, a petition going around a bit ago uh, that was calling for that ban inside the you know, the stadium or whatever to be, the arena to be lifted, Uh, you know, because if these people you know, they're always forever saying oh, you know, this is why this happened it was a gun free zone, if only something someone had had a gun, it's like, all right if you believe that then you should feel more safer than anywhere uh, with people just openly carrying uh, firearms on the convention floor um that should be that you should feel just as, as safe as you could be if if your logic holds but you know yeah. this they don't they don't actually believe what they say obviously because then nobody wants that you know <laughs> like in reality so
1: yeah yeah it's, it's good enough for elementary schools it's good enough for college campuses it's good enough for everywhere else but it's not good enough mm-hmm. Republican national convention this year so yeah, I don't know. This may be the the wildest convention, you know, since well, at least the '60s, I guess, mm-hmm. from what we're looking at.
0: '68.
1: Um, yeah, Loomis. Yeah, was at the Democratic National Convention.
0: Yeah, in, Ch- in Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, Loomis continues. He says we're going to be looking very, very hard at anyone who has an open carry, uh, an AR-15, a shotgun, multiple handguns. It's irresponsible of those folks, especially right now, to be coming downtown with open care, carry our AR-15, or anything else. This like, I couldn't care less if it's legal or not. We are constitutional law enforcement. We love the Constitution, support it, and defend it. But you can't go into a crowded theater and scream fire, and that's exactly what they're doing by bringing these guns down there. Mm-hmm. So he says, you know, so if you bring guns into this area, he says, you know, the, the police are going to be looking very, very, very hard at you. Mm-hmm. So I guess you can exercise yourself and we the right, but you're probably going to wind up on a couple, you know... Literal watch list or something
0: if you do for sure well it was interesting I don't know if you saw what the Dallas Police commissioner said after that shooting there um, that he was saying that there were you know during the protest the the black lives matter protest there were several people who were, were open openly carrying uh, even even to the point where once the shooting started they uh, the, a tweet went out on the Dallas Police Department website or sorry, Twitter, uh, that's, that had a picture of one of these people and said, we are looking for this person, they're a suspect. And this person was not a suspect in the shooting, but he was openly carrying in the in the rally. And, you know, kind of afterwards when they were talking about, you know, what all the confusion was during it, he was saying that it made their job so much more difficult because these people were muddying the waters um, by, by openly carrying. You know what I mean? So, if they hadn't had that, they yeah. could have maybe pinpointed who was doing the shooting faster, but because there was all these people who were openly carrying, you know, like, you have to put your attention in so many other places, you know what I mean? So, it's the opposite of being safer.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I listened to your, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, I listened to your Michael A. Wood, uh, Jr. Uh, <clears throat> second episode with him, uh, mm-hmm. the episode 18. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was interesting. I remember he said, like, um, whatever whatever the people want the police to do, we have to tell the police because the police won't do it unless they get the orders from the public, which is apparently their bosses and stuff mm-hmm. but i think I think the flip side to that is that when you when you have police officers getting shot and stuff, and the police, if they were to come out and say, "Hey, there needs to be some reasonable restraints on this, I think that's somebody that a lot of people who are not inclined to listen to any kind of gun control um you know, rhetoric would Mm -hmm. say, okay, well, wait a minute, the police officers who are, you know, great people and everything, obviously, and we have tons of respect for them, they're saying this, I think we can, you know, I think they'd be more inclined to listen to that coming from police officers rather than, um, you know, Mm -hmm. left-wing politicians or gun control advocates or anything like that so
0: right right exactly so yeah it's 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 an interesting time i'm i'm uh, looking forward to uh, i mean i hope there's no violence of course but you know you you almost you almost want these people to like all right just the, the courage of your convictions you know what i mean they keep telling us how great guns are and 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 now we're we're here we're at the broad precipice and you know they're they're kind of like pulling back you know when it actually gets real you know so
1: yeah. You you almost have to wonder if there are if there's an incident or if there are incidents here at the RNC this time, what would be the fallout for John Kasich mm. because he said he's not going to do anything about it ahead of time. Right. If there are is violence, if people get hurt or killed down there, hopefully they don't, but mm-hmm. if something like that happens, I mean, it's not going to look good for him. No. What does that say about uh, his decision making and stuff leading up to this? So.
3: Yeah. And well, of course, I, mean,
1: I mean, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I I think for posterity, we should mention that, you know, there have been a number of incidents recently. I mean, obviously right now everybody knows that, but somebody listening to this a year or two later, if they were to do that or something, they might not realize that, you know, basically like on, you know, the 5th of this month, the 5th of uh, July, in Baton Rouge, like this guy named Alton Sterling was shot by two police officers for supposedly brandishing a gun at a homeless person or something, but he was supposedly, he had been selling bootleg CDs or he'd been selling CDs or something outside of a convenience store with the permission of the owner. Mm-hmm. And then the next day in Minnesota, or outside of Minnesota, a guy named Philando Castile was killed as a passenger in a car, and he was carrying a gun, but he had a license for it, and he uh-huh. didn't seem to have a criminal record or anything. And then the very next day, at a outside of a Black Lives Matter protest in Dallas, Texas, uh, Micah Xavier Johnson shot five cops. Well, he killed five cops, and then he shot seven other cops and wounded them, and shot two civilians and wounded them as well. Before he was killed with a with a drone bomb, basically. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then of course, like just so much stuff has been going on. Then there was the terror and. In in Nice, France, or whatever, and Mm. which was a huge incident, and then the you know so basically like these huge, extremely violent events have just been coming like day after day after day, so that you can't even focus on the news from one before it's getting pushed down by the news from the next. Exactly. Of course, after the after the the truck terror in Nice, France, there was the the army coup in Turkey, Mm -hmm. which was put down. And then, you know, right after that, now we've had another shooting in Baton Rouge where this guy Gavin Long, a former Marine African American guy, uh killed three police and wounded three others in an ambush. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the backdrop to the situation where the Republicans are saying, Well, no, the you know, the, the Second Amendment still stands outside of the convention center in in uh in the RNC thing mm-hmm. this year. Right, right. So obviously, like I, I don't know. I hope that's not too dry or anything, but that's just kind of a statement of the situation.
0: No, it's 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 been one thing the after Tad the next, Mark. like you've like you've said, and and like we haven't even had time to process one thing effectively before we've been deluged with yet another, uh, you know, huge national and, and world, you know, event. So it's it's kind of been a hard time to be a newspaper editor. I'll tell you that much. So <laughs> it's like deciding what the top story. Yeah. each day has become a real challenge you know what i mean <laughs> so.
1: yeah yeah it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a chaotic time um let's see let's see there's one more quote from a guy named Dan Gross who works for the Brady campaign i guess um and he said that government Kasich owes it to law enforcement and the public to eliminate the obvious additional risk prevented presented by allowing anyone to carry a gun anywhere, anytime, outside the convention center. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much the gun front. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps on a lighter note, <laughs> there's a, there's an artist named Spencer Tunick who is, uh, has convinced 100 women to go nude holding mirrors on Sunday morning hmm. uh, facing the convention center. Wow. And um, so he says it's art. Um... He says, women who agree to this are brave artist warriors. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so they're holding mirrors over their head, I guess, to kind of like reflect back on the Republican um, desire to trample women's rights or something. Hmm.
0: I'll be looking forward to uh, that, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I think it already happened. I think there's pictures of Oh, on it
0: the happened on, on Sunday. Okay, gotcha.
1: Let me look this up here. So I don't know if he has anything else planned, but apparently he has some history of doing this. He's been photographing naked women in public since at least 1995, from what I could tell. Um, (laughs) uh, Apparently he had 7,000 naked women in Barcelona a couple years ago, and then uh, 18,000 naked women in Mexico City also. (laughs) Uh, But he says in the United States of America, quote-unquote, the naked body is viewed as a crime or violence. Okay, so... Um, yeah, he, he wrote calm, focus, and tight on his hand before he started photographing. Hmm. Uh, I guess those are his directions to himself or something, but, so, but anyways, he's been planning this since 2013 before Donald Trump was ever a candidate, so, you know, I don't know to what degree this is tailored to Donald Trump or to the recent situation, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Is that
0: art? Sure. <laughs> art is whatever you say it is. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just I wonder. I, I don't. I don't. I wonder about that. I don't know. Uh,
0: <laughs> Maybe, uh... He's using different uh, a different medium than uh, than a lot of artists to be sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's well, like that, it's like that Marguerite, uh, you know, painting, uh, this is not a pipe. You know that one? Oh. It's like yeah, a, it's, it's like it's a painting of a pipe, pipe and then above it it, like it says this is not a pipe. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, I was confused by that one. Is it like, is it not a pipe because it's a painting or it's not well, a pipe? Well, I think
0: I could be wrong, but I think what he's trying to say is that it is whatever the artist says something is, is what it is. Uh, you know, You just have to trust their vision no matter what no matter how obvious you think it is and you know what I mean so you just have to go with whatever whatever they're saying I mean he was also had a very certain style that was uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of his movement or whatever that he was a part of but absurdist, surrealist I think mm. um, but anyway yeah the, the point being that you yeah. have uh, and I also saw in a museum one time I think it was maybe MoMA in uh, London I think I was uh, in that there was just a, a shelf with a glass of water on it and somebody put a frame around it and that was, I think the caption was, it was called Apple or something. <laughs> kind of in the same oh, okay. spirit.
1: So, Yeah, well a few weeks ago somebody had set their glasses down in a museum gallery or something and then people all started coming over Yeah, there was the glass right. on the floor. I think I saw that. I saw yeah. So, you know, I I I don't know, maybe I don't have enough appreciation for, for art, but I get a little exasperated sometimes.
0: <laughs> no, I remember you used to talk about this uh, in reference to, like, you, you compare it to, like, an M.C. Escher drawing that's, like, super intricate and obviously took a long time, and then it's like, you know, you look at a, you know, whatever, you know, the, the guy, who's the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of Jackson Pollock or something, you know, you're just throwing paint at a, at a canvas, and that's art, too, you know, but, like, one obviously required a lot more skill and time and effort to to complete, and the other one was just you know throwing paint at a at a blank canvas. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, somewhere there's the idea that artists have to suffer, right? Or I mean, something. Sure. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know how much uh, this uh, Spencer Tunic guy is suffering uh, photographing hundreds of naked women. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we could argue that he's suffering really um, for his art. And um I don't know. I but I, I have a feeling I wonder like I, I wouldn't mind his job, I guess. I mean if that's a job that you can make a living at, I guess I'd like that for mm-hmm. my own reasons. But I think the very fact that I question whether or not it's really art means that I will never convince hundreds of women to get naked <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's right. You can't you think he's like gee whiz women, I don't know if this is art or not, but get your clothes off. <laughs> He probably, yeah, you know, yeah, presented it a little the, more, uh, line. yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, what were, what were those videos back when we were in college that were always being put out, uh, girls gone wild or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he was an artist too. Yeah. Uh, I think he was a bad man, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Anyway, so I, I don't know. I question. It. I, I think it's good. I mean, I think it's good, like that he's protesting in a way the Republican convention or whatever. But at the same time, I'm not sure that Republicans would all think that it's such a terrible thing that there are hundreds of naked women outside of the convention center. I mean,
0: so you know, your real beef is that this is really just a right. reward, <laughs> almost well, for, I, for the Republican. No, I, I think
1: there's. <laughs> I, d- I don't know that it will have the desired effect.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know. It it adds to the overall absolute chaos of this convention. So I guess it's uh, it's got that going for it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, you know, yeah. I just don't think the right people will get the right message, though. No, I, don't I don't think anybody's going to change their stance on birth control or you know <laughs> abortion or anything like that over this. So, I don't know.
0: Well, I saw the, I I'm saw not. the women in the mirrors and I realized I'd been wrong for so long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw the women and I had some dirty thoughts and then I saw myself in the mirror and I I I thought again. <laughs> yes, maybe I was wrong. But wait, <laughs> I was a bad man. <laughs> I don't think I don't think no. that kind of introspection is going to be on show at the at, at Trump's uh, convention. Mm-mm. So,
0: well, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got the yeah. Um, so I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, I've got the uh, speakers list for today up right now. Um, convention opens at 1 p.m. Monday's theme is Make America Safe Again. Uh, Monday's headliners oh. are Meliana Mill, Trump, is that how you say it? Melina, Mel, Melania? Melania? Melania, yeah. <laughs> uh, retired General Michael okay. Flynn. Uh, Senator Joni Ernst, who uh, yeah was in talks to be Trump's running mate but dropped out and endorsed Pence. Um, Jason Beardsley of Concerned Veterans for America and Representative Ryan Zink of Montana. So additional primetime speakers include okay. Rudy Giuliani, uh, Alabama Senator oh. Jeff oh. Sessions. Racist bastard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Willie Robertson of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> A- hmm. Actors. Never Scott,
1: watched it, but I'm familiar with their. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with their.
0: Uh, uh, I don't know their social media over. Yeah, whatever, right. Over. How you pronounce them? <laughs> uh, and this is this may be the best part here. Actors Scott Bayo and Antonio Sabato Jr. Uh, former Texas Governor Rick Perry. Uh, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, and Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton.
1: Oh. Okay, yeah, I definitely know some of those names, and I'm aware of them to some degree, but yeah, it'll be interesting.
0: So, Tuesday's theme,
1: uh, yeah, Gary, go ahead. Oh, uh, Well, I always wonder if Trump is going to... Um Divorce Melania, but I figure I figure I don't think he can. You know, <laughs> he's got to hold the family values vote, and how is it, how's he going to ever get Clinton to come to his wedding again after this? <laughs> so. I I think that's got to be his last rodeo. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So Tuesday's uh, theme is make America work again. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) From the man who says you're fired. Uh,
0: Right? Tuesday's headliners are Tiffany Trump, which I assume is one of his daughters. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. Not
1: Not the one he wants to bang, though, right?
0: Uh, I think that was another one, but yeah, who's, who can, who can keep track anymore? Um, Donald Trump Jr. Maybe this one's hot too. Yeah, possibly.
1: Maybe she'll get naked.
0: <laughs> and hold a mirror up. Um, yeah, Donald Trump Jr., who I think is the one that, uh, shoots lions for fun. Um, Former oh. presidential candidate Ben Carson <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: whoa,
1: yeah, that should be fun to watch.
0: Uh, I can't wait to see that uh, West Virginias yeah. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Kimberlyn Brown, and Car- Carrie w- Woolard. Um, primetime speakers include Mitch McConnell, Kentucky Senator, House wow. Speaker Paul Ryan. Uh, who just has debased himself?
1: <laughs> sure that'll be an enthusiastic endorsement. It's like,
0: yes, I was here. Yeah. Goodbye. Uh, New Jersey Governor Chris <laughs> Christie, uh, Arkansas Governor Aza oh. H- Asia H- Asia Asia Hunt- I can, can I say that. Asia Hunt- Hunt- Hutchinson. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Ultimate Fighting Championship oh, oh, President so. Dana White.
4: <laughs> okay. Well,
0: and Republican that's National that's Committee that's Co-Chair Jared Day. What's that?
1: Hmm. I hope uh, Chris Christie doesn't start crying in the middle of his speech. I hear he was pretty busted up that Trump didn't, Donald didn't choose him. He's been carrying his water so good. Like, I know. I you know. Yeah. He, he even knows when to get on the Trump plane and everything. Oh, I know. Doesn't have to be told or nothing. <laughs>
0: such a good lackey. Um, okay so Wednesday's theme is Mer- make America first again <laughs> uh, headliners yeah. are Governor Mike Pence
1: shouldn't that be not on the shouldn't that not be on the third day of the convention
0: I feel like somebody should have seen that at some point and been like this is, this is out of work <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah governor yeah Governor Mike Pence is speaking on Wednesday
1: and, and 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 saying I think that saying make America safe again on the first day that's very optimistic about how this convention's gonna go. I it's
0: think it's you should yeah,
1: that's the waters first to make sure it actually is safe.
0: <laughs> it's more of a hopeful statement. <laughs> um, yeah, so Maybe Newt Gingrich. It's kind of like a warning. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Wow. Newt Gingrich is speaking on Wednesday. Eric Trump, another one of the Trump children, uh, and Lynn Patton.
1: It's one of the boys of Trump is the one that has like the they've got like the they've got terrible hair. They've got like the kind of the What do you call it? The mullet thing going on? The the yuppie mullet?
0: Yeah, yeah. The one that looks like Patrick Bateman. Maybe they they both do. Yeah, it's hard to tell them apart. (laughs) Um, So additional speakers on Wednesday. The
3: Trump boy is speaking. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Additional speakers include Senator Ted Cruz, who I knew he would come around. He said so many terrible things about Trump, but I always knew it would circle back around for him.
1: Most um, of these people did at one point or another.
0: Yeah, that's true. Senator Marco Rubio, um, Governor mm. Scott Walker of Wisconsin, Gingrich's wife, okay. Calista Gingrich. <laughs>
1: Which wife is he on his second or third
0: wife? No. Could be third, fourth, I'm not sure. I think this was the person he was having the affair with while his wife was in the hospital. I could be wrong, but I mean okay. he's had so many affairs you can't keep track, but um retired astronaut Eileen Collins. I, I, yeah.
1: I'm sure I'm sure his wife will be there to speak about family values. Of
0: course, yeah. And yeah, how the gays are ruining everything. Um uh, State Senator Ralph Alvarado of Kentucky, and oh, he will speak about mm-hmm. the Republican Party as the party of opportunity for voters of all backgrounds, especially Hispanics. <laughs> "Quote unquote." Ooh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure things are real good if you become uh, one of Trump's token mm-hmm. token minorities.
0: All right, so here we go. Thursday, final night. Theme: Make America One Again. <laughs>
1: Make America what?
0: One, O-N-E.
1: One. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was win, like past tense. It could
0: be, yeah. That would make sense, too, yeah. So this
1: is kind of, so this is distinct from make America first again. This is make make America one again.
0: (laughs) Well, if you're first, you're number one, right? (laughs) So... I don't know. Maybe
1: there's a difference we aren't aware of.
0: Maybe, maybe.
1: We haven't been been first or number one for so long, we forgot what it means, I guess.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Trump's going
1: to make us one again so much that we're going to get sick of it,
0: right? Exactly. We're going to be tired of being one. Um, So, of course, as usual, the nominee speaks on the last night, so Trump speaks on Thursday, um, along with PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel. Thiel. And I don't know if you know much about this guy, but he was the one who, I don't know if you followed the uh, Hulk Hogan uh, gawker case at all. Oh, he log,
1: he's log—he's log cabin Republican, right?
0: I believe so. Yeah, he's gay. Yeah, exactly, precisely. Um, he was outed by Gawker for being gay. He then exacted, exacted his revenge on Gawker by, you know, bankrolling this uh, lawsuit by um, Hulk Hogan or over a sex tape uh, that. Of Hulk Hogan that uh, they had posted on Gawker, and he then uh, mm. successfully won, and you know Gawker is pretty much going to be bankrupt if they have to pay this. So pretty scary. He's a, he's, a, he's a
1: small business creator. <laughs>
0: right? He's a job job creator, for sure. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a absolutely. <laughs> Ivanka Trump making all the Yeah, so uh, okay. gonna he's he's gonna Ivanka is going to get up there. Ivanka is the it. one I think he he said that. He He wanted to, yeah. So (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go up and say that he didn't really actually rape her, like she said back (laughs) in '80s, right? Right. Uh, Tom Barrick, the CEO of Colony Capital,
1: truly an epic. Yeah. Okay.
0: Additional primetime speakers include RNC Chairman Rince Priebus, Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon. Is it Rance? Rance Rance, Yeah, it's a hard name to say. I I knew how to say it once, but I forgot. Uh, And evangelical leader Jerry Falwell Jr., the president of Liberty University. Ooh. Oh, his dad would be so proud. I know, right? So that is your convention (laughs) lineup. So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think I think we
1: we're, before it's all said and done, we're going to have plenty to talk about.
0: The final part of our conversation came this morning, Friday, after the convention had wrapped up Thursday. Hello. Hey, Jeff. <clears throat> hey, how's it going? Good, good. So here oh, we are. Yeah. <laughs> here we are at yeah, the end of this yeah, thing. Evening. Yeah, yeah. What a wild ride it's been this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Um, there was just so much. Um, but uh, yeah, you sent me a list of things you wanted to talk about, um, and I definitely. Uh, Thought of a, a lot of them first, but uh, what do you think the biggest—I uh, don't know—biggest story out of this convention was? Oh gosh, I don't know. It's it's hard to process because it really
1: kind of only ended a few hours ago, I think. But um, I don't know. You know, maybe the division of the party, possibly by by Ted Cruz uh, or maybe he doesn't even represent the party but you know he obviously didn't support Donald Trump but um but i think there's you know a lot of republicans who don't want to support trump but i don't think they want ted cruz to be their their standard bearer for that so mm-hmm.
0: Right, and then there was I don't that know. that was a big you know, one There was that moment at the beginning of the convention where the kind of never-Trump people kind of had their last uh, hurrah there right when they were um, uh, you know, adopting the rules or, you know, whatever, and there was a, a, a small revolt in the uh, in the audience uh, from, I believe, the Colorado delegation walked out um, a couple others and mm. yeah, there was a voice vote that was kind of <laughs> the, the chair was like, I thought from what I can hear the, the gays have it and it's like well I, I don't know there seems to be a lot of screaming I don't know is this is a really scientific way to, to conduct this but um.
6: the question is on adoption of the resolution all those in favor say aye
7: all those opposed no in the opinion of the chair the ayes have it is
1: agreed to. Yeah, well, that's that's just like when the Hillary camp did the same thing in Nevada or whatever mm. with the, the Bernie thing, right? Right. Yeah. Obviously, they were losing the voice vote, she's like, "Well, I think I think the yays have it or something." <laughs> totally ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's you know, after 2016, we should never trust the voice vote again. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not. But obviously whoever's on stage can, yeah, they can just say whatever they want to say about it, what they think they heard. Right. (laughs)
0: But Ted Cruz I don't think
1: that never Trump was strong enough.
0: Yeah. They they definitely weren't strong enough. I think like,
1: I don't think there was enough protesting. Like, I don't think like the protests from what I heard outside the convention were not that, not as big as we might have expected and. You know, the Never Trump thing didn't really last past the first day, and Ted Cruz is not somebody that anybody wants to rally around. So I think, you know, the opposition to what's happening there with the Republican Party has just not been there at this event. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the good news is I don't think there's hardly been any violence at all, which is, you know, surprising and shocking based on everything that's going on. So maybe that's the positive that's the to away from it. it? hmm but, so um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the last thing we talked about was. I mean, we talked on Monday or, must have Monday night?
0: Well, we talked Sunday night, for, on my time Sunday night, and then uh, Monday morning, right before the beginning of it, we talked again. Um, so, yeah, this will be part three. Um, and uh, yeah it's just been it's just hard to yeah you're right it's just hard to process there's been so much but that Ted Cruz thing was amazing That—that that is one of the few speeches I, I remember I, I said uh, you know on the on the last part here that I was going to commit to watching the entire thing and, and I, I did watch every single debate Democrat or Republican in their primaries so I was like well I can if I've watched all that I can watch these conventions but then I forgot the debates are like they're still trying to like win people over and this is just a you know rallying the troops and stuff so i i watched as much as i could but i just didn't have the stomach to to watch uh, the first day alone was was 10 hours long if, if i was going to watch the whole thing so um i watched i watched what i could of, of it so
1: yeah i caught the highlights watched a few complete speeches um I didn't watch any of the Trump family except for Melania's speech, which she apparently plagiarized from, of all people, Michelle Obama.
3: (laughs) Barack and I were raised with so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. My parents impressed on me the values
4: that you work hard for what you want in life that your word is
3: your bond,
4: and you do what you say and keep your promise.
3: That you treat people with dignity and respect, even if you don't know them, and even if you don't agree with them.
4: That you treat people with respect. They thought and showed me values and morals in their daily life. That is a lesson that I continue to pass along to our son, And we need to pass those lessons on to the many generations to
3: follow. And Barack and I set out to build lives guided by these values and to pass them on to the next generation because we want our children and all children in this nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because
4: because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them
1: which, you know, probably a lot of Republicans will never forgive. I mean, if she plagiarized Nancy Reagan or, you know, Barbara Bush or something, if Barbara Bush even never gave any speeches, right? I think that would be, you know, within the realm of something that would be acceptable
0: for Republicans, but I don't think plagiarizing
1: Obama's wife is going to win the many fans,
0: mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. That was an insane story uh, to begin with, Uh, just because, you know, I I, I can't believe that they... I mean, do you think that was intentional, I mean, to distract from from other things that was going on? Because it seems so blatant, and, you know, they've got to know that people are going to check this kind of thing.
1: There was even, like, there was even an accusation that she had rickrolled or she had been rickrolled, depending on whether we, you know whether the final blame comes down on Melania herself or, you know, a speechwriter somewhere, I don't know what happened, honestly. Like, I mean, I heard the two speechwriters that were paid to write the speech, they said the speech she delivered was not the speech that they gave to her weeks in advance or whatever, mm. that she had made changes to it. And then they eventually fired somebody, I think, some woman or something who said she made mistakes or something. And But it was always unclear, you know, to what degree Melania herself was involved in it. And... <clears throat> You know, obviously English is not her first language, but, you know, this is obviously a ridiculous thing to do. But at one point she said, like, Donald Trump is never going to give up on you and he's never going to let you down or something. And people were like, is that a rickroll? Did somebody just put a rickroll line in in the middle of the speech and she doesn't
0: know? I did see that. Does she know?
4: He will never, ever give up. And most importantly, he will never, ever let you down
1: yeah I mean it's it's just unbelievable, but everybody thought she gave a good speech except for the part that she plagiarized mm-hmm. so then there were all the things you know well you know she Chris Christie said something like oh well you know ninety three percent of the speech was not plagiarized, so that's pretty good, right <laughs> I'm gonna remember um, that, that, that one if I ever how. get caught
0: for plagiarism. most of it was mine. I put yeah. my name on it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's good enough for presidential candidates' wives, apparently. So. Yeah, right. Um, well, yeah, I think that person in the Trump, uh, you know, camp that took the, that basically they took the fall. I think. I mean, I don't really know that we can put the blame on that one speechwriter. I feel like even if that one speechwriter did do that, I mean, there had to have been other people who saw the speech or, or figured out what was going on, or I don't know. Like, I mean, who knows what? Who yeah. knows
1: who knew, Who knows who knew what? I mean, it seems like everybody says that Trump doesn't have enough people. People and the whole thing has been kind of thrown together mm-hmm. willy nilly, and like, so it's entirely possible that they never really did bother to, to check this for some reason. So, yeah, and you know, and, and that comes back to, to Ted Cruz, too, because Donald Trump says that he had a copy of Cruz's speech unedited like two days before or something, and he said he gave the go ahead. He's like, if Ted Cruz wants to. Commit political suicide? Then he—that's his choice to do, and it's not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he—he he said he allowed the speech, even though he knew it was going to be in it. Right, right. So
0: well, that was the—that yeah, was the one of the few speeches I watched all the way through. Um, that was—that was crazy. Um, that was just uh, insane. I mean, first of all, like you said, I mean, the Trump camp had to know what was happening because you know we—we we knew that how Cruz felt about Trump, and I always sort of thought Cruz would eventually come along, but you know, I guess he's still trying to. I still establish himself for the 2020 presidential run, um, as the outsider to yeah. Donald Trump or whatever. So, um, I guess well, by I, I, yeah. I can remember
1: ever, I mean, ever since 2011, it feels like with all the government shutdowns and stuff. And, and it seems like that was about when I started hearing about Cruz and stuff. And, And Ted Cruz has always been reaching beyond, you know, the interests of the party, more in favor of his own interests and stuff. And I think that, I think, well, I mean, there are four different ways to look at, I think, what Cruz did, possibly. Well, number one, it was funny, did you see the video of the Trump plane landing in the middle of one of Cruz's speeches earlier, right, when he was talking about Trump, and then Trump's plane flies right behind him? And, no, I didn't see
0: that. He just
1: upstaged me. No, you gotta watch that, it was it was hilarious. He was just talking about Trump, and he hears a, like a howling sound like a jet engine, and then the Trump plane comes into the runway right behind where he's speaking, and like drowns him out a little bit. And so then, I think like a day later, or later that day, he gave his speech, and... But like I said, I think there's four different possible interpretations of what Cruz did, and I don't think anybody really knows what the correct uh, interpretation is. And I think, on one hand, it could be like a principled stand and last gasp for the never-Trump right, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't think anything that Cruz does is truly principled. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it could have been a self-serving announcement speech for the Cruz 2020 uh, presidential campaign, and, you know, Cruz is such a sniveling lickspittle. I think lickspittle is a noun, right? That's a word we can use. It
0: sounds kind of old-timey, but I'll take the type it. Of
1: person is. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a, a very fitting application yeah. know, we can apply to Ted Cruz. <laughs> or it could have been, you know, Righteous revenge for Trump threatening to quote unquote spill the beans on Heidi Cruz, Ted Cruz's wife, yeah. which, um, with the perhaps almost uh, sexual implication of what that was, and then accusing Cruz's father of being involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I mean, he claims that these were the things that really set him off, and like he could never forgive Trump for it, and so he would never endorse somebody who insulted his family like that. and, mm-hmm. stuff, so. and he also, you know, said that Heidi Cruz was ugly and Melania was attractive, and so, you know, which is just bizarre for a presidential candidate to do. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's the possibility that I, I think that probably played some role in it, but I don't know that that's the primary thing that played the role in it. I think mm-hmm. most politicians can get behind that kind of petty stuff um, eventually if they really care about the party and they really want to win and they, you know, really are being selfless and. Mm-hmm. And the other interpretation that a lot of Republicans are saying is that it's a just profound betrayal of the pledge that Ted Cruz took, but, you know, Donald Trump notably did not take at the beginning of the campaign to eventually come around and support the eventual Republican nominee. And they're Mm -hmm. saying, well, he said he would and then he didn't, so he betrayed his word, which is true, but. At the same time, like, the Republican primary got extremely, extremely personal in a lot of ways and stuff, and so I don't know, you know, if people can come back from that. Mm. Maybe they can, maybe they can't, but... Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I think those are kind of four different ways you can read... Cruz's behavior. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what the what the correct interpretation is exactly, but...
0: Yeah. yeah any of those is plausible. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that thing about uh, Trump uh, upstaging him with the plane there at the end. Uh, he, as, as Cruz's speech is kind of going down in flames because, you know, the audience, it slowly dawns on them what's happening. You know what I mean? It feels like he's kind of like indoors at the end you know what i mean he keeps like kind of building towards it and then when he comes out with the line Mm -hmm. uh i forget what it was oh vote your conscience or whatever instead of
1: conscience no they don't republicans don't
0: like that (laughs) yeah they started losing it at that point and, and he was really losing the room
1: if you love our country and love your children as much as I know that you do. Stand and speak and vote your conscience, vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. delegation.
0: then the uh, tra- in- endorse Trump, endorse Trump started, and then as soon as they then they just kind of shortened to Trump, 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 and then and near the end of his speech, and Trump or uh, Cruz is trying to come back to the theme or whatever of oh the little girl who uh, her father was killed, and you know we got to give her a better America and stuff. No one's paying attention anymore because Trump at you know the edge of the stage or in the back or whatever has appeared just randomly, <laughs> totally stealing any attention. Away from Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz basically ends with no one paying attention to him, and he just kind of walks off.
1: And he's still smiling. He's like, "Yep, I did it. I'm great for 2020. I'm ready to go." He's like, "Nailed it." He's like, "He's like, they hate me now, but they'll realize I was right later." Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: That smarmy bastard.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, all he did is basically well, make Mike, Mike Pence look normal by comparison. Uh, later, when because that was supposed yeah. to be Mike Pence's big night, is the night that Cruz spoke, and then he basically, you know, uh, just you know, it was a dumpster fire, and then you know, Pence had to play cleanup, So, um, and anything yeah. that wasn't that was probably going to look good by comparison. So, um. Yeah, so that Melania thing and the Cruz speech, did you catch any of the Trump speech at the end there? Oh, I watched,
1: I think I watched all or most of the Trump speech. But before we get to that, what about the Carson speech and the Christie speech and the Giuliani speech?
0: I didn't actually watch any of those. What did you think of those?
1: Well, the Giuliani one I caught clips of, and he was extremely manic. I mean, he was, like, totally amped up and everything and using way too much energy. I don't really remember anything that he said, but he was really manic when he was up there. And Chris Christie held, like, a mock trial of Hillary Clinton because, you know, his big thing is he used to be a prosecutor, and so he's going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And and so he's like, well, she know all this stuff, and isn't she isn't she guilty? And I was like, yeah, guilty, guilty. He was like, shouldn't she be thrown in jail? i like, yeah, throw her in jail, throw her in jail.
8: So we must ask this question: Hillary Clinton, as an awful judge of the character of a dictator and butcher in the Middle East, is she guilty or not guilty? guilty. Next, next in Iran. She launched the negotiations that brought about the worst nuclear deal in history. Let me be clear, America and the world are measurably less safe and less respected because of the Iran deal that Hillary helped cut, period. After she launched those negotiations, she became the biggest cheerleader for this agreement in the end. It's a deal that will lead to a nuclear Iran, an Israel that will be less safe and secure and a much more dangerous Middle East. So let's ask it. Hillary Clinton, as an inept negotiator of the worst nuclear arms deal in American history, is she guilty or not guilty? Next.
1: And then the you know Ben Carson said Hillary's role model is the Saul Alinsky guy that all the conservatives hate who I'd never heard of until the conservatives started bitching about him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but apparently he was some sort of a community organizer. Uh, uh, I think he was a Russian Jewish guy or something. But mm-hmm. anyways, Ben Carson said that in his in his book in the in the dedication at the beginning of his book he dedicated the book to Lucifer, which mm-hmm. is apparently not true. He dedicated this book to. Uh, somebody else in his family, or something. But he mentioned early in the book that like Lucifer was the original person who rebelled and formed his own kingdom of hell, I guess, or something, or something. And he was using it as like some sure sort of a story at the beginning of this book, or something. But
9: now, one of the things that I have learned about Hillary Clinton is that one of her heroes, her mentors, was Saul Alinsky. And her senior thesis was about Saul Alinsky. This was someone that she greatly admired and that affected all of her philosophies subsequently. Now, interestingly enough, let me tell you something about Saul Alinsky. He wrote a book called Rules for Radicals. On the dedication page, it acknowledges Lucifer, the original radical who gained his own kingdom. Now think about that. This is a nation where our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, talks about certain inalienable rights that come from our creator. So are we willing to elect someone as president who has as their role model, somebody who acknowledges Lucifer? Think about that.
1: So anyways, yeah, Bill said, or Ben Carson said that Hillary's role model is Lucifer or somebody who acknowledges Lucifer. And so if America allows that to take hold, then God will turn his back on America. Mm-hmm. You know, bad things will happen to us, yeah. which is probably what will happen if we elect Trump, actually. But <laughs> um, then continuing with the attacks on Hillary, there was Al... Al, let's see, Al Baldassaro, who is apparently a New Hampshire state representative and Trump advisor on veterans issues. Mm-hmm. And he said that Trump, or no, he said Hillary Clinton should be put on the firing line and shot for treason. Wow. And so now the, um, the secret service is looking into him because that's, you know, <laughs> That's a direct dangerous, threat. <laughs> dangerous speech, obviously. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> So they said, you know, Hillary loves Satan. Hillary uh, is Satan. Hillary should be shot for treason. Right. Hillary should be put on trial and thrown in jail. Hillary is guilty. Yeah. Uh, Benghazi was Hillary's fault. Hillary lied to the mothers of the dead.
0: Yeah, so I think people who, even people who don't like Hillary, I don't even know if, if they would go as far as saying that she should be shot. <laughs> I think that's a little extreme for even some Republicans, um, you know. So I feel like maybe they overplayed their hand a little bit. Maybe that's a good thing, you know what I mean? Because now it's like the the over-the-top over the nature of these attacks may actually come back to, to bite them, you know. And I don't know what kind of... Uh, you know, uh inroads they're hoping to make with the females, uh, this election cycle anymore, but I don't know how you win the presidency without appealing to at least some women. Um,
1: well, I think I think a lot of Republican women will fall in line one way or the other, but Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It's a mess. Uh obviously I think it's a lot of red meat, you know. Republicans hate Hillary Clinton and they have you know twenty 30 years almost, 26 years probably, so Mm -hmm. they, you know, this is all pretty good for them to hear, I think, for most part, but, uh, I'm sure some of them acknowledge it's over the line, but, like, I think, I don't know, I don't think it was an accident that they definitely, on the first day, they led with Benghazi, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that definitely was, um, yeah. Um, well, and then we, I think, well, let me see, hold on. Let me see if there's anything else before we come to Trump's speech. I think that, um, let's see earlier in the week. Also, there were some code pink activists. Um, one woman, Jody Evans held up a a banner that said no racism and no hate. Mm -hmm. Um, an elderly couple tried to pull it out of her hands, but she was stronger and pulled it away from them. And then Republican security and everybody came over and tried to cover her up with American flags. And at one point they held the American flag upside down, trying to block the no racism, no hate message. So I think there's a, you know, there's some sort of a message there, some sort of an ironic, I don't know. There's something there. Yeah. That's some symbolism. Um, yeah, you know, two other women, Allie McCracken and Chelsea Byers, one of them held up a refugees welcome sign during the Giuliani speech. So, mm-hmm. anyways, these these activists were pretty uh, pretty active during, in the crowd yeah. at certain times and stuff. So,
0: right, right. Uh, speaking of the crowd, uh, you mentioned that you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Alex Jones crashing the uh, De Young Turks uh, filming location, which I've seen bits and pieces of. Um, I think we should say <laughs> that Alex Jones was a special guest of the Trump. Campaign uh, in the in the hall. That's how he oh, got really? in there. Um, and Roger Stone, that. who's like one of his uh, people that he has on his show all the time, I guess. Uh, he was a worked for the Trump campaign for a while, and then I guess he was fired or something. So, um, but mm. yeah, I think we should we should yeah. take a moment to recognize that oh. Trump is is helping legitimize uh, Alex Jones in the in the sense of being a special invited guest. It wasn't like he snuck in. And like you know like he wasn't invited so
1: yeah well that was a, that was a crazy incident i think like um i it was just a few hours ago or so but um yeah the young turks were reporting and i think it was i, I want to say it was let's see it was cink uger and um ben mankowitz and uh johnny john, uh, john mm-hmm. and one other guy named michael somebody who they he's not a regular but he's on periodically i don't really like the guy but He's kind of like a special guest. I think he's friends with Jank Uger or something, but <clears throat> so they're just they're talking about whatever they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, um Alex Jones walks right in front of the camera and walks right in front of the, the Michael guy and stuff and shakes Cenk's hand. He's like, Hey Cenk, how's it going? You you planning the revolution? The revolution's still happening and all this stuff and he's like, Oh yeah, it's happening. How are you doing, Alex Jones? And he's like, Oh, I'm doing real good, I'm doing real good and everything. Real, you know, aggressive buddy buddy stuff. And he says, uh, well, "We got, uh, we got like these Hillary shirts everywhere. You seen our Hillary shirts?" He's like, "No, Alex Jones, I haven't seen your Hillary shirts or something." He's like, "Well, we got to show you our Hillary shirts." And so he pulls out this shirt out of it, like his friend gives him or something. He's got his, he's got his, you know, his. Info Wars filmers or whatever coming around, like, blocking shots and stuff and trying to get their film in there. And so they, they pull out this shirt that has a picture of Bill Clinton in the style of the 2008 uh, Barack Obama, um, kind of that profile with the blue and red and white colors and stuff. And at the bottom it says rape. <laughs> so it's got Bill, Bill Clinton's face and it says rape. And Cenk Uger almost immediately yanks it out of his hands and crumples it up and everything. Right. And, he's, and then he sees that the stone guy is over there, too, and he Hates that guy apparently. So we started screaming at him and, you know, calling him a hatchet man and everything. And, um.
10: Not- Alright, we're back on the Young Turks. Uh, obviously, a little bit of commotion here Meh. as Alex Jones and a guy significantly worse than him uh, entered the stage here. What changes in demographics is that he wins white males. In such yeah, overwhelming you, numbers, it, it's that it overcomes every you, you other demographic advantage. Has... Come sit in your lap. Oh Jesus! Oh, how's Jesus it going, hey, come Alex on. Jones, how I'm you good doing? To see you, man. You're looking sexy. All right. Hey, how's the revolution going? You guys starting the revolution? We are indeed, Alex. Uh, the revolution is afoot. Um, welcome to the Young Turks. The young with America is <laughs> uh, I am going to restore American democracy along with progressives and conservatives in this country. All right. Well, I got to tell you. I am really, really proud to be here with you. It's good to meet you in person. I don't think How there's... are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing okay. You like all our Hillary for prison shirts everywhere? No, I, I kind of despise it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what shirts are they? I haven't seen any of them. You haven't seen? It. Oh, my God. You uh, didn't see me? I don't exist, Alex and you didn't see me. No! I'm not. No, all, you know. uh, <laughs> all right, guys. It's okay. No, uh, don't look here. at this. I got a shirt for you right here. It's, it's rape. Like it's Bill Clinton. that <laughs> says rape. Yeah. Oh my god, hide that immediately. That's the big nut. No, no, no. The Roger Stones band. Alright, you wanna take show my show over? I'll take your show sure. over. Okay, you know what who does this kind of shirt? First of all, a sick guy. Second of Bill Clinton's you not know, a rapist, Fox. No, rapist, you. Know who, you know who. You know who's accused in court in papers. papers. Oh, come on. You know who was accused in court ra- papers of being a rapist, Donald J. Trump. Donald By Trump Donald Trump. Trump. Trump, Roger Stone. Yeah, yeah. You know It's in court Trump Trump. papers. Oh yeah. And yeah. You're a sick dude, Roger Stone. I want to rant off with you right now.
0: You assault me all the time. You never give me a chance for
10: respect. Oh yeah. I should give you a hatchet job. A job You're a sick man, Roger Stone. Roger. No, you're the world's biggest liar. Why didn't you admit I, that you lied about Elliot Smith, sir? Didn't you already admit that, you're you You're not afraid of him, crap? are you? You're, you're not, not afraid of, of him. Get him in here. First of all, Alex, this ain't your fucking show. I don't know. Roger, it certainly ain't your fucking show. Are you afraid show. to debate him? Okay. I don't, I don't, afraid? Not, are afraid? you kidding me? No, no, no. Get back on. All right. Roger, yeah, run away.
8: Roger, don't go. He wants to debate you right now.
10: I'm not gonna debate this guy. You're a hatchet man. I don't know why anyone in the media takes you seriously. All you do is lie. You're known you're as the, the biggest liar in media. Liar, you're, you're, media. You you're the biggest you're liar the in media.
3: The
10: you're loser. The lie loser. Don't get too mad. We gotta have a. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> is actually mad. You're actually really upset. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have come to debate it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Once you get out of here, Alex. All right. We gotta continue I the show. Hey man, you nobody, watch the know the know show, nobody watches you. We know nobody watches you the Saudi ratings, Arabians but. are funny enough, your little jihad. Z- <laughs> hey, first of all, let me explain something, all right? Okay, this is bullshit. Oh, hold on, hold you're on. on. Okay. We're against Saudi Arabia, you dumbass. We talk about that all the time. Oh, oh really, We talk okay. about that all the time. You, the you list don't list know shit. Up. What do you think the lizard people are in charge? Is that what you think? are Is that what you think? You're the anti-liberal, and you're pissed. Bullshit,
3: we're
10: being nice here. You know what I care about? I care, I care about hey. the American people. Good. You're the one who's the house. I'm not lying. 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 I'm not lying.
9: I'm not lying. 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 i i am not i am my i am i to they just left oh, my house. Now we back their space, guys. their space. Let's to staff. do
1: And finally, like, you know, Alex Jones just won't quit. And so finally, Jen Huger stands up and, like, throws down all of his uh, recording equipment on the ground and gets in his face, and there's about to be a fight. And, and Mankiewicz takes off his jacket, and, like, he's trying to restrain Jen Huger and then a bunch of people pour in there. And finally, I think some security guards or somebody came in there and kind of separated people a little bit. Um, Anna, uh, Anna, she was in there, too, and she... Uh, Anna Kasparian was in there, and she—I think she yelled at them a little bit too and stuff. So, but she wasn't in the filming before that, so she wasn't right in the mix at the beginning. But it was a—it was a big thing. There was almost a fight. Clearly, I mean, <laughs> Jake Uger went from zero to pissed off in a, in a matter of seconds. Right.
0: Well, and he'd had uh, Alex Jones on his show before. I've seen clips of where he was. I don't think they'd met face to face, maybe, but they definitely had, uh, you know, interacted yeah, before. Yeah, and,
1: and I've and i've watched that and it was it was pretty funny because and i think they've had some some drama about who has more you know viewers and i think infowars has like 1.5 million or 2 million or something and the tyt has about 4 million or something like mm-hmm. that and so clearly TYT is like beating him. And that was another thing. Like Alex Jones came in there and he's like, nobody watches your show, bro. Nobody watches your show. Your show's like got terrible ratings and stuff. And it's like, and clearly it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> and so, So they've had this thing. And at one point there was a great video where the Young Turks responded to him because he, Alex Jones did a video about the Young Turks and stuff. And when he did it, he wasn't wearing a shirt and he goes into what, Cenk Uygur describes as a jiggly rage because <laughs> he just <laughs> he started jumping up and down and shaking his fat all around and everything while he's screaming about the Young Turks and how their viewership is like less than his or something <laughs> so it's a pretty funny video that I recommend looking up at some point yeah it's pretty funny for sure so they've, they've had back and forth but I, I've seen them interview him before and stuff but they always interviewed him from like remote location he was never actually he never came to the to Young Turks sets or anything like mm. that so Right, right. His damage was limited. (laughs) But that dude, man, he needs to be on some medication. He claims he has, like, 50 guns in his house, and I think his 50 guns need to be confiscated. If anybody in this country is serious about keeping guns out of the hands of mentally unstable individuals, Alex Jones should have his guns taken away yesterday. (laughs) You know, because this guy is totally, totally unstable. Right. You can watch any video of him. You can see that. And, like, I mean... I don't know. I had a friend, somebody I played some online game with back in Indiana, and he started sending me some InfoWars stuff one time, and I was like, really, really, bro? I mean, is, is the real world that hard to understand that you want to go into this kind of thing? <laughs> and he, he, he gave me some, like, he gave me some, he said Google this. He gave me some, like, code word to Google, and I Googled it, and then it pulled up my Google map, and it listed, like, four random locations around the world I was like, okay, what, what? <laughs> it was like a really weird, like, thing. And because it was like I just searched in Google this one phrase or something that InfoWars is a program to, like, pull up your Google map or something. And I was like, what the, hey, what does it mean? <laughs> like, you got to you gotta dig deeper or something. And I was like, what?
0: The truth is out there. <laughs> we, so, got, yeah. we got some big information, folks. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> yeah. And you know what I'm very disappointed
1: about is, like, I mean, you know, like, Waking Life and those movies? I uh-huh. forget
0: who the director was. I'm uh, Paul, director, or, 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 writer, sorry, Linklater, Richard Linklater.
1: Yeah, I'm very disappointed. I mean, and also, um, what was that, Philip K. Dick novel? Uh, uh, Scanner, Scanner Darkly, Bradley. yeah. Yeah, I mean, all those movies that this guy did, he used to have Alex Jones in each one of his movies.
0: Well, he was only in two, I think, director. but... It was a, and they were both the rotoscope okay. ones. So, they, well, I don't. He wasn't actually, you know, it was a, it was a cartoon version. But yeah, um,
1: it yeah. it just disturbs me because a, a clearly gifted director, has, mm-hmm. you know, closely connected himself with this maniac.
0: Well, to um, be fair, I think he also yeah. is from Austin, Texas, where Alex Jones is based. So I'm sure that. Even if you don't agree with Alex Jones, I'm sure he's more of a presence in your life than if you were living in you know, Massachusetts or something. So,
1: yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't. I can't imagine he'd be a positive presence in your life. the point. I mean, maybe, maybe back when the movies were made, he hadn't gone full. You know,
0: oh, I don't whatever. know. He he was always kind of uh, reaching in that direction or whatever. Um, there's a really interesting book you should read uh, by John Ronson called "Them: Adventures with Extremists," uh, which uh, okay, uh, he also made a documentary of uh, called "The Secret Rules of the World," where uh, John Ronson, who uh, you know who John Ronson is, right? Nope. Oh, uh, he wrote The Men Who Stare at Goats. He wrote...
1: um, Okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he and Alex Jones, this is before Alex Jones was Alex Jones. I mean, this is the thing that basically made Alex Jones, was that he and John Ronson and a couple other people snuck into Bohemian Grove in Northern California, where the elite leaders have their, like, summer camp
1: romp. The... the, the is this the the Vanderbilts or the Bildenbergs or the what the hell the name? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's all the yeah, exactly.
1: It's a, it's all the, the same. The Rothschilds, or sure. whoever the hell the, yeah. the New World Order is. Yeah, going of
0: course. To like, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the summer there, camp.
1: There's some really yeah. <laughs> did you ever? I mean, okay, you've got another another video you've got to watch of Alex Jones's that you got to see is um, this one where he's talking about how. Michelle Obama is a transvestite, and so Barack Obama is, by implication, a gay man. (laughs) And you can see it because her arms are big. And who is that woman who died? She was a celebrity. She died, uh, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago or something, and she was kind of an old actress, older actress, Mm -hmm. very pro-Israel, kind of anti-Obama. I don't know. Uh, I can't remember her name, actually. But anyway, she died. And Alex Jones has this thing where he's talking about her death, and he said, um, she went in for surgery, and uh, they, they poured fire down her throat. She was a fire-breathing goblin. <laughs> Liberal media. something. <laughs> His voice changes into this dark, evil voice, and he starts cackling like a monster. And he's talking about this dead woman turned into a firing-breathing goblin when she died.
0: Uh, are you thinking of Joan Rivers?
1: Yes, that's exactly who it okay. was, Joan Rivers. And he he said that Barack Obama and, and um, you know his transvestite wife Michelle Obama um, went into the surgery or something to pour fire down her throat to kill her and turn her into a fire breathing goblin. Oh, <laughs> so that's that's the level he's operating at. Sure, so it, but it's it's you've got to watch that how demented and unhinged this video is, <laughs> and then you just got to remember that this this man owns firearms. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of firearms. Uh, but, yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, so Alex Jones and Roger Stone crashed the TYT broadcast, and that's just a little background on that. Yeah. I don't know. Depending on who your who your listenership is, I hope we don't have any info warriors in the in the audience. Although, if there are, maybe you could interview one of them and get to the bottom of it all.
0: Oh, I don't know. All. I don't know if we want to go that deep. Uh, we might find some lizard people down there. Um, but yeah, you never well, know. Bob,
1: I mean. Come on, don't talk about the lizard people. I mean, that's us, right? We're the lizard people. (laughs) That's right. The secret's out.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I shouldn't have said it. Um. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, Now, there was a norovirus outbreak uh, at the the convention. Uh, You want to talk a little bit about that? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, well, the headlines wrote themselves, and, you know, they said, you know, It's a shit show, and now it's like a literal shit show and stuff, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I was depressed. I was a little depressed that it didn't seem to spread any farther than the California Republican delegation. uh, I don't know. It was just, you know. It was like it's like biblical plagues were visited on the Republican National Convention this year. Right, right. Evangelicals couldn't put it together. <laughs>
0: so, why do you think yeah. there were so few Just, protests though at the at the convention? What did you make it? I was expecting more.
1: I yeah, I was too, and I don't know if it's a matter of the the uh, killings of African Americans and the you know the killings of police kind of the tit-for-tat going back and forth with all this stuff recently. I don't know if it was, you know, a fear of, uh, you know, Minutemen and kind of right-wing gun carriers blowing people away. I don't know if it was. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's just a general despondency with lack of enthusiasm for Hillary and the Republican or the Democratic option. I was, yeah, I was kind of, or I don't know if it was just an effective, like effective policing keeping them away from that. I really don't know. I, th- I think it's interesting. I'm surprised there wasn't more there weren't more protests. Right. And I think there were people out there looking for protests, so I think if there had been sizable activities, I think they would have they would have come to light. I don't think it was anything that was going on that wasn't covered really. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you just looked at the amount of media that was there covering, you'd, you'd see, like, three protesters and, like, 100 people with cameras around them. So okay. um, definitely maybe a little bit more yeah. <laughs> more people watching than actually doing. So
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, mentioning the uh, police shootings of black men, I mean, we had the other case on Monday, mm-hmm. which was where a black behavioral therapist named Charles Kinsey, who was 47, was shot in the leg, supposedly three times, although I think it's very, you know, there's the video out there. He's laying on the ground, and he's got his hands up, and he's explaining that he's the behavioral therapist, and this other man is an autistic individual who's run away from the group home, and he's trying to bring him back, and he's playing with a toy truck, and he doesn't have a gun. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why the video, they, they cut the video out at the part where he got shot, so you mm-hmm. never see him get shot. You see before, and then you see after, mm-hmm. and I think that's you know, I don't know. I think, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. But I think, like, they, somebody has that footage, I think. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think maybe eventually it'll come out. But But it's just amazing, right? I mean, like, this guy was clearly not a threat, didn't have a weapon, and was surrendering and was in communication with the police. And they shot him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and... You know, and I, you know, back in Indiana, I worked on a, I worked in a group home. We had, you know, seven individuals who were, we were taken care of. And, you know, I, so it hits home for me. I mean, I'm not a black man, so I'm not at that risk, but, you know, taking care of them was, you know, at times challenging at times, you know, they would go off and do things that they weren't supposed to do. And you and other people had to try to take care of them and, you know, And I just can't imagine trying to do that job and also having guns drawn on me at the same time while I'm, you know, also responsible for an individual who Mm -hmm. cannot be responsible for himself legally in a dangerous situation and getting shot. Yeah, for sure. And he apparently he said he asked in the interview, he said he asked the officer after he got shot. He said, sir, why did you shoot me? And the police officer said, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I saw that too. That was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, there's a few things going on with this. I mean, first of all, you always hear the refrain from people where it's like, just do what the cop says and you'll be fine. Only people that get shot are people that are mm-hmm. resisting or not listening to the cop. And I always listen to the cop, and that's why I'm fine. Well, guess what? You know, sometimes you do everything and you still get shot. So it doesn't, that's not even a good. And there, of course, there were many cases before this where that was true, too. I mean, uh, you know, Tamir Rice, for example, yeah. that was a perfect example of, you know, just somebody rolling up and just shooting them for no reason. Um, but you know, the the police, after this happened, after it came out that, that they shot this guy with his hands up, uh, the police then released a a statement saying that they were trying to shoot the autistic person, (laughs) which is not better, which is not a better better. answer. I don't know why they thought that was going to be like, Oh, oh, okay. Well, as long as they were trying to shoot the mentally handicapped person, well, that's, that's great. Um, no. So, uh, yeah.
3: So they that,
1: thought, yeah. Well, they, yeah. They. I mean, they said they thought that the toy truck that he was holding was a gun, even though the the you know the behavioral therapist guy Charles Kinsey was obviously saying that he's got a toy truck and he's like saying Ronaldo sit down, Ronaldo lay down, lay down on the ground, but you know you can't you know you can't always make people do what you want them to do in that situation you know. They're, mm-hmm in their own world to some degree. And so, you know, obviously verbal cues by themselves don't always get it through. And, you know, it was an out-of-control situation, but it was not a dangerous situation, you know. And obviously, like, I think part of police training that's been talked about before is dealing with people with mental disabilities. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, autism is clearly, I mean... You know, I mean, that was a pretty clear case of, okay, this guy's not dangerous, but he's not responding the way a normal person would, and hmm, let's stop and think about that for five seconds and think about what could possibly be going on, and it wouldn't take too long to figure out something close to what the truth was. And now, uh, John Rivera, who's the president of the Miami-Dade County Police uh, Benevolent Association, says that quote-unquote, the movement of the white individual looked like he was getting ready to charge a firearm into Mr. Kinsey, and the officers, who continued to be unnamed, discharged, trying to strike and stop the white male, and unfortunately he missed. <laughs> um, okay, well, number one, that's bullshit, and we know it's bullshit, because number one... Since when do police stop shooting before they hit their target? If Mm -hmm. the target was the white male with the toy car, why did they stop shooting after they shot the black guy three times?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Obviously, if this guy was the danger, they're going to keep shooting until they hit him, and then they're going to, you know, try to take care of the black guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, why did they handcuff the black guy and flip him over on his face and leave him bleeding on the pavement for 20 minutes? (laughs) If he wasn't the target, if he was the one they were trying to protect, it's obvious, obvious stupid bullshit. And so... You know, so they're obviously, they're obviously lying. Mm-hmm. And number three, you know, gun rights people are always, you know, they're obsessed. They're absolutely obsessed with, you know, trigger control. And, oh, did you take a picture with your gun? Oh, is your finger on the trigger? Oh, you're an irresponsible gun owner and you don't know how to handle guns. And you need to go back for training and yada, yada, yada. And look at me when I'm holding my, you know, AR-15. I always keep my finger pointed and it's never on the trigger. Clearly these police were like in a situation where they were not threatened. Nobody was threatened. And they shot the wrong guy who they were not, supposedly they were not aiming for. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, either these guys are incompetent and never should have had a gun, or they were trying to shoot the black guy,
3: Mm -hmm. right?
1: I mean, Mm -hmm. like, those are the only two explanations. Right. Neither of them look very good. No. Yeah, it's... And it it, it just comes to the point where it's like, anytime, you know, anytime Mm -hmm. the police have a gun pointed at a black guy, I mean, is it like... There's some sort of a subconscious magnet that just, you know, their fingers automatically pull the trigger. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like they can't help themselves at this point. I'm, I, you know, there's good cops and bad cops out there, but this is just after the last several weeks that we've had. It's amazing that mm-hmm. this kind of a stupid shooting could happen right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you could also say that you know, we've, we've failed mental health so badly in this country that we've almost kind of left the police to be the only ones to clean up the mess or, or deal with, with mentally handicapped people. And, and, you know, and this is what you get because people obviously don't know how to deal with the situation (laughs) or, you know, like you said, like none of the options are good. Um, so, I mean, do you think that that's, is that argument persuasive at all to you that police are just asked to do too much?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, um, Charles Kinsey was trained and left to deal with the behavioral issues of Mm -hmm. a mentally handicapped individual, but he was not allowed to do his job in Mm -hmm. public. Right. So, you know, I don't think it's like, I I do think part of the, I think part of the police training needs to be dealing with the de-escalating situations and dealing with, uh, you know, people who are not just mentally handicapped, people who are suicidal or people who are, you know, there was another shooting In California, I think last week of somebody they were chasing somebody, they pulled over the wrong guy, and he didn't comply with them fast enough, and his lack of compliance was maddening to watch. But Mm -hmm. then they shot him multiple times and they, you know, and they killed him. But he said before they killed him, he said, I hate my life and then he started walking towards them and they shot him to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well they shot him on the ground and then after they shot him in the chest with a shotgun or shot him in the belly or the chest, his hands probably instinctively went toward his chest and said, get your hands away from your belt. And then they shot him some more until he died on the ground. It's like, okay, number one, you're chasing the wrong guy. And obviously this guy had some serious mental issues, which is why he, you know, maybe it was suicide by cop or something. But when somebody tries to suicide by cop, if they don't have a weapon, and if you've got them already shot on the ground and you could rush in and, you know, it's just, you don't have to oblige them, you know? Mm -hmm. If somebody wants to suicide by cop and they don't have a weapon, obviously, and you've already hit them and disabled them to some degree, um, you know, I don't know. I I don't want to see, you know, police officers put in more risk than they have to be. But part of it, it's a risky job. And once you've already shot a guy on the ground with a shotgun and you've got several people covering him, I think somebody could run in. Pull the hands away and just say, "Okay, does this guy have any weapons? And if not, what do we need to do now? Mm-hmm. We don't got to shoot him some more." So.
0: Yeah, I think some of the maddening things to watch with these videos, as you've kind of pointed out, is the not just the response during and uh, you know before the shootings, is is the kind of lack of concern for the people after. Um, you know, if you go to Tamir Rice, uh, you know, his sister, you know, runs up after he's shot and they handcuff her. And, you know, she's she's stuffed and cuffed, and she's just running over because her brother just got shot. And, you know, you see Eric Garner uh, getting choked out in New York City, and he's just laying there. And no one seems very concerned. Uh, no one's really taking any quick action to see if this person's okay. Maybe they really were telling the truth about not being able to breathe. Uh, you mentioned this guy, the, the Kinsey guy, getting handcuffed uh, face down in the middle of the street after he's shot mistakenly apparently allegedly um you know it's just yeah
1: yeah. and i can i can i think i can understand that from the from the cya perspective Mm cover your ass right right like if you've shot this guy mistakenly and he doesn't have a gun and you were aiming for the other guy it's probably in your interest to cuff this guy make him look like he might have been doing something wrong hope nobody was filming on their camera so you could spin a story and, you know, make out, like, oh, well, he did something suspicious, and that's why we had to do it. hmm So I can understand, and, you know, like, the the guy who got shot in the car the other day. I mean, like, they handcuffed his, his girlfriend, and mm-hmm. they took his daughter out of the car and stuff like that. I mean, like, handcuffing the girlfriend, it didn't appear that she had done anything except film the, film the incident. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, it's just infuriating to watch. It's uh, totally ridiculous, and it seems like they can't control themselves at all. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, killing the cops and stuff in retribution or you know that's not acceptable either, but, um, I don't know, you know, I think when people see this kind of targeting and they experience this targeting in their own lives for so long, I think it's it's you know to not expect that there's gonna be some blowback from that is uh unrealistic
0: mhm, it's kind of yeah, it's almost amazing that more. Hasn't happened. I mean, of course, like we said, we, we it's horrible that, you know, the thing in Dallas and, of course, the thing in Baton Rouge where, where police officers have been specifically targeted. But that's another thing I wanted to, to say about those particular incidents. Let's not forget that those people also had mental issues directly related to the fact that they were military veterans um, both the shooter in dallas and uh, baton rouge had done tours of duty overseas in, in iraq and afghanistan and things so let's not forget that that that's a definitely you know there there we have mental illness playing into this again and, and ptsd i'm sure um, you know you mix that up with guns and all these videos and, and it just seems like a recipe that It's just bound to happen you know what i mean and we're just we don't we don't take care of people in this country especially veterans and you know with as many freely available guns as there are it's like yeah um
1: yeah and i would say with i mean with the dallas shooting one thing that struck me was that you know somebody i think somebody on twitter somewhere said bad cops are getting good cops killed Mm. and i think that's correct because by all accounts from what i saw the dallas police seem to be doing a pretty good job. I mean, they were taking photos with the protesters. They were, you know, they're regulating the protests, but they seem to be, you know, not not cracking down or anything like that. And so, and, uh, you know, those cops were not the cops who did some of these other things. Uh, so, obviously, the, the, the violence was, it was misdirected hostility and it, you know, targeted the wrong people. And uh, yeah. The whole thing is just turning into a huge mess. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people on both sides need to, you know, slow down, you know, stop killing people, really look at de-escalating situations. And I know that's probably hard to do if you're a police officer and you've seen all these police officers get killed over the past few weeks. You may not be in the mode to, you know, de-escalate when you're dealing with African-American, you know, uh, suspects or individuals that you just happen to be interacting with in the community. But you know it's it at some point somebody's going to have to take some risks in order for it to get better before it gets worse mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's only two ways it can go from here
0: yeah what do you make of the uh all lives matter black lives matter uh kind of dichotomy
1: um well i i think it's you know obvious that uh <laughs> All Lives Matter is is kind of a joke. I mean, like, we we all know what it means. It means, you know, shut up, stop talking about it, you know, stop pretending you're special. But the thing is, like, I mean, like, uh, you know, we, we all see what's happening. We all know that, you know, based on studies, people are more likely to associate, including a, a lot of people, a lot of people are more likely to associate negative things with African Americans. Like, they do these, you know, scientific studies where they, test your association of positive and negative words with black or white individuals and everybody including african americans is quicker to associate the negative things with the african american images. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not even a police issue it's you know it's a societal issue and you know there's a lot of studies that have been done about you know rates of violence rates of fatal violence against african americans considered to be threats and stuff by police versus white individuals considered to be threats we've I'll see in the videos where they'll talk for 20 minutes to a white individual carrying an assault rifle, but they, you know, they won't even give Tamir Rice two seconds to mm-hmm. explain that he's got a toy gun mm-hmm. before they shoot a 12-year-old kid to death on the playground. Right. Um, you know, and that's that's just one incident that's, you know, or a couple of incidents with the, the white individuals being talked down. By, you know, police officers who are bending over backwards saying, you know, we know you got your Second Amendment rights. We know what you're right. We just want you to calm down and put the gun down. Let's just talk, you know? It's <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you know. So I think the, obviously the Black Lives Matter stuff is a response to that. And people who try to muddy the waters by saying, well, you can't just say Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. Can't we all be equal? Isn't that what we want? Like, I mean, obviously they're trying to muddy the waters and just, you know, just mm-hmm. distort the issue to the point where, Black lives don't matter anymore. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's uh, it's like a quote I heard the other day. It was saying that like you, uh, if you've had supremacy, if you've been in in the front seat for long enough, anything that. Feels like equality is going to feel like oppression to you. Um, so you're, well, look at look at the Sunnis in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. They sure as hell didn't want to give up any power. Yeah, absolutely. And we have no. ISIS. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you didn't catch anybody saying all lives matter before Black Lives Matter started. Nor nor did you say like uh, you know <laughs> nobody had Street Pride Day before there was you know Gay Pride. And you know what I mean? It's it's just like any time there's a minority group that tries to stand up for their rights, you same people will just be like but isn't everyone it's like you know it's like running through yeah. a cancer ward and exactly. yelling you know do uh, there are other diseases you know <laughs>
1: like <laughs> yeah well there's the um, there's that one comic on facebook that goes around sometimes or whatever where there's like two there's a guy standing with a fire hose in mm-hmm. front of two houses and one house is on fire and like he's like spraying the house that's not on fire and like dude, my house is burning. Why don't you spray my house? And he's like, well, my house is, needs water too. I mean, why shouldn't I protect my house? And he's like, well, your house isn't on fire yet. And he's like, well, if I spray water on it, it probably won't catch on fire. So that seems like the logical thing to do. And he's like, <laughs>
2: and, and
1: finally the other guy's house burns down, which yeah. is, you know, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to direct your energy and your resources to the place where the problem is. And, mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and even, like, when you say, you know, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, I mean, like, in Baton Rouge the other day, I mean, at least one or two of the cops who were killed or shot was, one of the guys who was killed was a black police officer who had posted about this stuff and how mm-hmm. conflicted he was and how, you know, when he's in his police uniform, he gets shit from the community. And when he's not in his police uniform, sometimes he gets shit from other cops who don't realize he's a cop. And so mm-hmm. he's really stuck in the middle, and he gets blown away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For you know, being in his police uniform, so yeah, you know, even Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. None of these things are necessarily exclusive. So when you try to you know speak in absolutes and say, well, this one should be is more important than that one, mm-hmm. it's really it's just a it's a muddy, muddy, muddy water. It's just, just a messy situation.
0: Yeah. And as I, I'm kind uh, of rambling, but no, no, I, that's good that we're talking about this. I I definitely wanted to, but, um, you know, with the blue lives thing, it's like, there are no, like, as I've seen it pointed out, uh, there are no blue lives. I mean, you can quit being a police officer. You can't quit being black. Like you're going to be black no matter what, you know, you can't, it's not a job you can, uh, be hired for or fired from or resigned from, you know? So, I mean, that's a little bit of a false. Uh, false thing um but
1: yeah, and at the end of the day, it's a choice it is a choice to be a police officer, I mean, mm-hmm. it, when you sign up, you know it's a dangerous job I right. mean, like, and you know obviously we want it to be as safe as possible, but you know the 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 job of being a police officer is never going to be as safe as you know a normal nine to five job necessarily, mm-hmm. and so you know where do you draw the line between preserving and protecting officer life versus having a reasonable interaction and relationship with the communities they police? Mm-hmm. you know I think that's a question that needs to be debated, needs to be dealt with and needs to be you know obviously eventually you want to improve the relationship between the police and the community and. You know, putting all the value on the life of the police and none of the value on the lives of the black members of the community, well, we see what that's getting us, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Well, hopefully we can go a few days without any more of these, but yeah, I think you're right. I think both sides need to take a step back and, and would not escalate this anymore if, if possible, but um, was there anything else about the convention you wanted to get to? I noticed uh, that Peter Thiel, I don't know if you saw his thing about being gay, uh, he said uh, he was proud to be a Republican, proud to be gay. Apparently they had a big, uh, you know, big standing ovation for that. Um, pretty, uh, pretty disappointing for him, but then pretty ironic that these are the same people enforcing you know religious freedom bills and these bathroom bills and uh everything else just to make you know lgbt people's lives harder every day for no reason and and they get like one token yeah gay republican and it's all like oh we see we're the party of lincoln <laughs>
1: well they well they got um they got what's his name um The Kardashian guy or whatever. Oh,
0: that's right. They do. Yeah.
1: Or Caitlyn Jenner. Call me Caitlyn. I mean, yeah, well, they've got her now, and she's out there, you know, and said, well, I think the quote from her today was, um, oh, it was harder to come out as a Republican than it was to come out as transgender. (laughs) Like, come on, give me a break. Come on. (laughs) And I I don't know where Peter Thiel lives or whatever, but I have a feeling he lives in New York or California. I think it's California, yeah. Because I... Because I have a feeling these, you know, these these East and West Coast homosexuals or whatever who think that it's all good. I can, you know, I can be a LGBT and still be a Republican. I don't think that they understand, (laughs) you know, not to speak for them or whatever, not to put words in their mouth, but I don't think they understand what things are actually like in the rest of the country. They don't know what it's like to have a niche. You know, Mitch. Uh, well, Mitch Daniels, or a you know, more recently this uh, Mike Pence guy, as a governor of your state, <laughs> passing <laughs> legislation. You know, so that. The, and I think it's very interesting. And there seems to be a schism opening up in the Republican Party. And that's one thing I was going to mention about the Trump speech, which is what we haven't really gotten to, kind of the the Republican elephant in the room here. <laughs> uh, one thing that I thought was very interesting about Trump's speech was. He was notably not anti-LGBT in his speech. Um, Hmm. He went out of his way to mention LGBT twice during his speech. And he, well, let's see, he mentioned the, the shooting in Orlando. He said, quote-unquote, 49 wonderful Americans were savagely murdered by an Islamic terrorist. (laughs) Of course, he's, you know, mentioning the Islamic terrorist part, not the fact that the guy was probably a closeted homosexual himself, who had some very, you know, uh, conservative, anti-gay religious beliefs that compounded that situation and gave him a complex about it to lead to the violence. But, you know, so, okay, so at least, you know, Donald Trump is throwing out some, throwing a bone to the gay community. Mm Mm-hmm. He said, this time the terrorists targeted LGBTQ community. No good. And we're going to stop it. Okay. He was, very, he was very careful in his pronunciation of LGBTQ. He clearly didn't want to mess that up. He said he would protect our, quote, LGBT um, citizens from the violence and oppression of the hateful foreign ideology. Believe me. So again, he's you know he's, he wants to protect them from ISIS, but he he wants to protect them from the hateful foreign ideology. He doesn't want to protect them from the hateful domestic ideology, mm-hmm. part of which is his running mate, Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. So, so and and he said after that, the Republicans all cheered and they applauded. And he <laughs> said, and I have to say, as a Republican, it is so nice to hear you cheering for what I just said. Thank you. And then there was a standing ovation. People were screaming, Trump, Trump, hey, Trump, Trump, hey, like this. So I was like, "Wow, you know what the hell's going on here? The Republicans are cheering for protecting and supporting LGBT citizens. Mm-hmm. Granted, from terrorists. So he's still he's still playing one minority against another, yeah, right. as far as the Muslim community in America yeah. and foreigners and immigrants versus LGBT." <laughs> So, (laughs) so, but on the other hand, he's got Mike Pence as his running mate, who is notoriously Mm anti-LGBT. And so I wonder, like, I mean, are the Republicans, I mean, did we just see the Republicans who were so wrapped up in his speech that they were supporting anything he said? Do Republicans not really actually care about the issues they just fall for this cult of personality where the strong man always gets their support at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what the hell's going on with this issue, I wonder?
10: As your president, I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens from the violence and oppression of a hateful foreign ideology. Believe
0: me.
5: to say, as a Republican, it is so nice to hear you cheering for what I just said. Thank you.
0: It's bizarre. Yeah, it's 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 hard to tell. Um, but yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty ironic that like the Peter Thiel was like I think he had a quote in his speech where he was like, uh, and you know, who cares where you go to the bathroom? Am I right? And it's like, you know, the people that you're talking to seem to care a lot and they seem to push this issue all the time. Yeah. So if you're looking look no further. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't N-
7: now we are told now we are told that the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? Of course, every American has a unique identity. I am proud to be gay. I am proud to be a Republican. But most of all, I am proud to be an American. tend to agree with every plank in our party's platform, but fake culture wars only distract us from our economic decline. And nobody in this race is being honest about it except Donald Trump. While it is fitting to talk about who we are, today it's even more important to remember where we came from. For me, that is Cleveland and the bright future it promised. When Donald Trump asked us to make America great again, he's not suggesting a return to the past. He's running to lead us back to that bright future. Tonight, I urge all of my fellow Americans to stand up and vote for Donald Trump. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks.
1: I don't know what they would. They might have cut the cameras away from the North Carolina delegation at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apologies but, uh, to your uh, to your uh, home state there.
1: <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, I think Donald Trump said a, a few weeks ago or a few months ago. He said that if Caitlyn Jenner came to his Trump Tower in response to a question, he said she could use whichever bathroom she wanted or something. So, Donald Trump. I mean. I, I don't. I hate to give the guy any credit at all, because he's a, he's a monster. He's going to destroy the country if he gets anywhere near the presidency. But, you know, on LGBT rights, he seems to sort of be uh, kind of on the left-wing side of the issue. So <laughs> I don't know how he threads that needle within the confines of the Republican Party, but he seems to be threading it, and the people are still cheering, giving standing ovations. So that's uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um at all at one point also in his speech, he made a play for Bernie Bernie Bros or whatever he said uh, he said that Bernie never had a chance. He said that the system crushed him, he never had a chance and he said that um bernie he said i 'm fighting for bernie's number one issue, which was unfair trade deals and like really was that was that bernie's number one issue I don't think that that was bernie's number one issue it was an issue uh-huh but but number 1 Donald Trump I don't think you're going to get many bernie supporters. Um that doesn't mean that they're all going to go to Hillary but I don't think that means they're going to turn around and vote for you. I think any bernie supporters who vote for Donald Trump would not have voted for any other democratic candidate except for Bernie Sanders and they only like him because he he's kind of got that maverick libertarian outside the outside the beltway Vibe about him, right? Which is a similar thing that Trump has got going on to some degree. So, but I, you know, he definitely he made a play for them in the speech, and he said what he said about LGBT, and mm-hmm. of course he said a whole bunch of other horrible stuff. But, right, right. Um, did you? Were you able to watch his speech at least?
0: No, I haven't seen Trump's speech yet. Yeah, no, I just that was after I after I went to sleep and before I woke up. So, um, but yeah, I'm. I'm well, I'll, yeah,
1: I'll say it was a it was a strong speech. Like he's a terrible guy. He believes terrible things. But I would say it was a it was a long speech. He stayed on message. He seems to mostly have stayed on his uh, on his teleprompter. Oh, he used
0: a teleprompter. He, I thought that was only for obama
1: yeah no i mean well like i mean he yeah (laughs) but it was but um (laughs) i will say like i mean the the republicans were with him the whole way Mm -hmm. cheering they cheered when he wanted them to cheer and they booed when he wanted them to boo Mm -hmm. they never booed him they there was no sign of the never trump people in the crowd that i could see Mm -hmm. i think there was one protester who she got taken away by the security, not by Trump supporters themselves. So she didn't get assaulted by Trump supporters, which was, you know, probably a step in the right, right direction. So mm-hmm. I will say, like, you know, he's a terrible person, but I think he, aside from the horrible stuff that he actually believes, aside from the lack of specificity about what he's actually going to do once he becomes president to, you know, to solve the problems or how he's going to, you know, make things better,
0: make us great again or whatever.
1: <laughs> I think he did as good a speech as he could have done. Mm-hmm
0: yeah yeah well that's that's very scary but, um, uh, so maybe we could wrap this uh, topic up uh, by talking about uh, one of the topics you wanted to talk about we haven't gotten to yet but uh, Roger Ailes uh being out as the head of Fox News um, and, and this is this the kind of maybe the end of Fox News' reign I don't know I mean they definitely seem to oppose Trump uh, and Trump seems to have risen despite their best efforts uh, you could say that same thing for the republicans uh you know the the jeb bush wing of the party um the people that were looking Mm -hmm. for some sort of you know moderate or centrist i don't know establishment whatever you want to call it candidate uh failed miserably um so what do you make of all that
1: well i mean there's i think there's headlines all over the web i saw one on the daily beast and i think i saw one on cnn or somewhere that said you know It's the end of the Republican Party. The Republican Party committed suicide. The Republican Party is dead and all this stuff. And, you know, we'll see if that's true. Um, There's obviously a big schism right now, but I have a feeling if Donald Trump loses, his brand of conservatism will be discredited and they'll try to get back on the right path.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Quote, unquote, right path, as right as it ever was. But yeah, with the Roger Ailes thing, I think there's more than twenty women who are accusing him of sexually harassing them. He's mm. been fired by Fox News or he quit. I'm not really sure which one it was. I think he quit because he got his severance package which was which was apparently like forty to sixty million dollars. Mm. But I think it started with Gretchen Carlson or something or mm-hmm. somebody, uh I forget her name exactly, and then also Megan Kelly, other obviously the big girl at Big woman at the Fox News over the past couple of years mm-hmm. says he did it to her about ten years ago too. Um, Greta Van Suster, notably, said she was never sexually harassed by Roger Ailes. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Donald Trump may have done a massive amount of damage to Fox News at the same time that he's done a massive amount of damage to the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. He may be, he may be burning the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Meeting the countryside and burninating the peasants. <laughs>
0: burninating, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the very few times I, I would watch Fox News uh, and like Fox and Friends and, and whatever you know uh, panel shows they would have. I was I was always uh, just stunned at the sexism on display, um, as far as the the way they presented the female anchors. Um, the, the lines they gave them, the way the male anchors treated them on on screen. Uh, it was just always very blatantly, you know, patriarchal and, and kind of horrible. So I was always, like, kind of taken aback every time I would flip through. I'm like, wow, people are just watching this thinking, eh, whatever, it looks good. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: yeah, well, it's, I'm sure it takes their, their aging base of viewership Back to the the good old days of the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties, Mad Men, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, for so sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Roger Ailes is shocked that you know his organization that he's had such an integral role in is now you know turning on him in this way. But mm-hmm. I don't know. After Donald Trump, I don't think they can survive the bad press.
0: Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. Well, was there anything else about the convention we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, well, I will say, people say that Trump's kids did good jobs, but I actually didn't watch a single one of their speeches. so mm-hmm. I can't comment on that. But, um, yeah, I think that that pretty well sums up everything I had.
0: Yeah. Well, it was, it was a nightmare and, um, I'm glad it's over. And, you know, I'm glad there was no violence. I'm, I'm a little disappointed as you are that there weren't more peaceful protests. Uh, but, you know, uh, respect to the people that, that did do it. Um, you know, cause that, probably took a lot of courage to get in that crowd and and make yourself known after what we've seen at, you know, previous Trump rallies and stuff. So, um, you know, I don't know if I'd have the, you know, whatever to to do that, but.
1: I mean, look what even happened to the Republicans who tried, the the Mm. Trumpers
0: on the first day there or whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah, they've got shouted down and bowled out of there too, so.
0: Right, right. Well, the Democratic, uh, One's next week, so. Well, I'll we'll see how much enthusiasm I can muster for this. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it'll be quite as uh, eventful as the, I mean, it's kind of like we talked about before with the debates, you know, it was like you, you were saying you hadn't watched all the Democratic ones, but you know, the Republican ones were always must see TV, you know, because of uh, Trump and whatever else was happening. It's, it's like it just people flinging their own feces at each other. So, you know, it seems like it'll probably be a little more of a traditional uh, kind of Road, you know, situation with the Democratic convention. At least that's the way it seems. Who knows? But,
1: yeah. Well, I, I've heard rumors today, or I've seen them online, that Tim Kaine, the senator from Virginia, may mm. be Hillary's VP pick. It yeah. Seems like she's leaning towards him, which seems ridiculous. I mean, she she lost West Virginia or something after a comment about coal, putting people in coal in a business or whatever. Mm hmm. And so she wants to kind of shore them up, but I don't think that that's going to have the national appeal that that a, a Elizabeth Warren would have. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think – I'm not very inspired. I don't know much about most of the people that she's been considering for her vice president. Right. But I think she's going to go down another uninspiring – uh alleyway here with, with her VP picks, but we'll see. I think within the next 24 hours, we may know that. I think she wants to announce it soon to take some of the thunder away from the Republican convention. Here, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, we should look at polls. I, I From what I hear, I think that Trump and Hillary are polling pretty close right now, and I'm sure that that's mostly a bump from the convention, and it'll be interesting to see if that correct. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, anyways, wrapping up the Republican National Convention of 2016, Cleveland,
0: Ohio. Yeah, it's been one for the ages, but uh, was there anything uh, in Korea on your end that you wanted to get in there, uh, either about K-pop or Korean politics?
1: Um... I don't know, bus drivers are out of control. He had a bus driver crash into some... He crashed into some cars that were going into a tunnel, and the cars appeared to be stopped, but he plowed right into them at like 107 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. And he killed four young women in their 20s, and he wounded 37 people, and he claimed that he was... He fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I believe that. He claims he had dinner with some other people. He was driving a tour bus, which people like to go on these bus tours around Korea sometimes and stuff. And So he claims he had dinner with his, his other drivers or some other people on the staff there with his company or something the night before. He claims he didn't drink, which if you know anything about company dinners with middle-aged men in Korea, I think he's about 57, you know that he drank. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I don't know. It's it's a big mess. Mm. So, so that's, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing that's in the news right now, I think. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, America's going to deploy the, FAD, the THAAD, the uh, anti-missile system or something to Korea, and some left-wing Koreans are protesting it, right-wing Koreans are applauding it, and they found the location where they're going to put it. Uh, Pokemon Go has not rolled out in Korea oh. um, because Korea is one of the few countries in the world that does not allow Google Maps to um, provide detailed maps of the country. No kidding. They don't want to inadvertently give away their... Uh, military installation locations North Korea or China. Oh my but gosh. The other day, when they they announced where they're putting the THAAD thing, they said, We found a location where America and, and South Korea will be installing the THAAD missile defense system, and it's right here in this mountain or something. I said, okay, but you just announced your <clears throat> missile location, and you say so you can't have Google Maps in the country because. You don't want to give away your military installations that are top secret. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, a a South Korean company says they're going to make a copycat game of Pokemon Go called Pororo Go or something like this. Pororo is a popular penguin character, children's character in South Korea. So they're they're basically going to do the Samsung thing and copy Apple. Copy the popular Japanese game of Pokemon Go (laughs) with a lamer Korean version to satisfy because... South Koreans are outraged that they can't play this game because they see everybody else playing it in the
0: world. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say, you've told me before that they're the most wired people in the world. Like, they they have all the technology years before everyone, usually. That's just so strange. I would have thought they would have been the first in line, but that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, it turns out the people who made the game, the way they designed the map, they designed, like, these octagon shapes around the world that include the different regions. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that part of... Part of southeastern Korea falls under the Japanese zone, mm-hmm. which would normally outrage Koreans as a as a remnant of the colonial period or something. But people were booking, totally booking out all the buses to go to that region because in that region they could play Pokemon Go. So one or two weeks ago, like totally everything was booked. You couldn't you couldn't get to that region of Korea because these Pokemon Go players are going out there for a day or two to play Pokemon Go as much as they could. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It seems like something's going to have to give there. Either they're going to have to let Google into their country, or they're going to have to make a compromise with Pokemon Go, or they're going to have to roll out this Road game as quickly as possible. <clears throat> and probably be a lawsuit from Nintendo or Pokemon or whoever the hell is going to sue them
0: right I don't know (laughs) well it's it's hard to describe how quickly this has spread in America it's like one day I wasn't there and then everybody was like I went out to take the trash out one day in the apartment complex here and I saw a guy running in his in his stocking feet through the grass looking panicked and I was like oh does this guy need help or something and then it took me a minute but then I realized he was just trying to catch the Pokemon Um, and I was like oh wow so I guess this is the world now. I guess this is what I'm going to be seeing from now on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not too proud to say I downloaded the damn thing. Mm. Not because I give a damn of a Pokemon. I think it's stupid or whatever, but like, but the thing is, I was just like, it's an interesting new style of video game. I enjoy video games and I'm curious about, you know, new, you know, this, this augmented reality style of video game where you're in the real world, but you're also kind of in, a, in the game world as well. So I downloaded it just to see what it was about and stuff, and I went out and walked around my neighborhood for about 20 or 30 minutes. I did exercise at the, at the park near my house, and then I walked back. I didn't see a single damn Pokemon. <laughs> and then I came back and I started Googling, like, Pokemon in Korea, and they're like, oh, it's not in Korea. What's going on? Oh, what's happening? And I started reading the news about it. I was like, oh, man. Okay, whatever. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> you know. Right. you posted on the status of Pokemon on the peninsula. Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. To give updates. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, do you want to promote your uh, your YouTube channel at all?
1: Yeah, I guess um, the child's got a YouTube channel. It's called a uh, Big Daddy Cha Cha. That's capital B I G, capital D A D D Y space C-H-A, capital C H A capital C H A Big Daddy Cha Cha. Uh, You can search that on YouTube and you can find some of my videos, mostly about life in Korea or just driving around on my bike or showing my neighborhood or where I live and all this kind of stuff. And also a little bit about politics, but not too much. I may do some more on that later. Um, I've got a new video that may be dropping pretty soon where myself and a Korean woman from my job and her boyfriend, who speaks pretty good English, we are sitting outside of a convenience store and we eat a ghost pepper together. Mm. We have about 10 minutes of agonizing pain. So. (laughs) <laughs> Look for that to drop in the very near future to Spaghetti Sacha's YouTube account. Okay.
0: Yeah, I've, uh,
1: but in the meantime, enjoy the old videos.
0: Oh, I have been very much. Yeah, you're uh, riding around the streets is fun. Um, the, uh, the one where you drive right by the hospital and say that, I don't forget your exact quote, but it was like that's where you go if you happen to need to deliver a baby or something like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, if you get
1: somebody pregnant, that's a hot place to go. Around.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that was pretty funny. And then uh, you had one where you went to the shooting range, um, and you uh, busted off a oh. few rounds.
1: BBs, not not real bullets. Nah, that's all you can do in Korea. <laughs> times. But yeah, good times, short little video, lots of fun.
0: Yeah. So, do people look at you strange yeah, when yeah, you uh, ride by with this on your head? A little bit,
1: but, you know, Korea's a pretty wired country, so, yeah, not not too much reaction mm. most of the time. That's good. Most of the time when I'm on the bike, I'm going so fast. I actually got the chesty. There's a thing called the chesty, which is a, a chest mount for the camera, and I got that partially because I think it's a little bit um, obvious when you got the camera on your head, but I think it would be a little bit less uh, less obtrusive or whatever if you had it on your chest at the chest level rather than sitting in the middle of your forehead. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've i kind of been working so hard the past few weeks, I've kind of given up on shooting videos for a little while, but I need to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And I need to continue to work on improving the quality as I go. I'm not a natural video editor, editor, and I don't have a lot of free time for this kind of stuff. Right. Well, yeah, definitely. But anyways, yeah. I, I probably... I probably better let let you wrap it up here. I mean, my God, between the three recordings, how how much time do we have so far?
0: Well, so uh, like I edited the first two, two last night, and I inserted a couple of clips of uh, Stephen Colbert and, and Mike Pence uh, into them. Uh, okay. So we we were already up to I think an hour and twenty before this, and this will be probably another hour and twenty, and then I'll probably have about you know ten minutes of you know music and talking and whatnot. So I think we're we're pushing up on being maybe the longest episode or there in the realm close to three hours but um, <laughs> well hopefully it's entertaining
1: for people I mean but I think I think with the Republican National Convention and to really go into you know we could just mention the things that happened and give kind of a cursory overview but I think to really get into what happened and talk about what's going on in the world I think especially with a, a week-long event like this as well as the shootings and everything else that's been going on in America I think I think it does. It is worthwhile to go into a little more depth with that. And Pokemon, too, also important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, going on this journey with me, and uh, hopefully we can do it again here soon. I'm sure there will be much more to talk about here coming up. So.
8: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll look at what we can do possibly for the genovatic uh, convention if you want. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, uh, well, have a good night there, John. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again, Bob. All right. Bye bye. Bye.